Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 94. Let's roll. And uh, we are we are in the middle of the hot summer. Uh, mini camps over. A lot of nonsense. Lot of, lot, every, every bit of news is either awful or amazing. Uh, I tend to fade all that. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think there's more sort of, you know, false flags than there is anything else at this time at this time of year. We'll talk about that and more with our guest this week. I love it, man. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be with my guest this week. Someone that I've never spoken to in person, just met today, and I'm having a ton of fun. Absolutely love his content. Love following him. And uh, he's in my Dynasty Game Theory Invitational Dynasty League, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's got JT too, so I'm a little bit pissed off. We're gonna have to maybe we'll make a trade on air. I want JT. We got to get him, so we'll figure it out. My guest this week is none other than Pat Corain. You guys have heard of Pat Corain. Pat's the man in the streets, in those best ball streets. He co-hosts the Ship Chasing podcast. I know a lot of you listen to that, folks. Welcome, Pat Corain. What's up, Pat? Hey, how's it going? Uh, fun to be on here. It's going great, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a lot of fun. This is a fun show. We are allowed to swear. As a matter of fact, we promote swearing. So feel free to let that uh, East Coast Brooklyn uh, F-bomb go if you want. I mean, you don't have to. You're not required. But when it's appropriate, you you let it fly, man. You're, you're over there in Brooklyn. Is it uh, is it hot and humid? What's going on over there? It's pretty nice here in Brooklyn today. It's like uh, in the low 80s. Took the dog for a walk Oof. right before we started recording. Took him around the park. He's uh, trying to eat all the birds. And uh, nice, pretty nice, pretty nice. I mean, you'll take an 83 degree day in, in Brooklyn. That's you don't get too many. Absolutely. Uh, so this is a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, everybody knows I grew up on the East Coast. And are you in the Scott Fishbowl at all? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went and I chose the sort of the, the old stomping grounds. I'm in the Worcester, Massachusetts group. I'm, you know, I'm out here in beautiful you know, sunny California, lovely weather. And I just went right back to the dirty Worcester roots. <laughs> so I'm in that Worcester group. You know what I'm saying? Just, just filthy central mass. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> nice. where, where are you at? Yeah. Where are you at? Brooklyn? <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I haven't chosen my, uh, my settings yet for Scott Fishbowl. I need to, I should probably do that this afternoon. Um, yeah, I try to be a good boy. Like, man, I just don't want to be the jerk that's like, dude, can you do one thing I asked you to do in this fucking thing? You know, it's for charity. Come on, just pick the fucking division. So, yeah, I, I did pick. And, you know, there wasn't, unfortunately, there wasn't anything on the Central Coast. That had to have been like, I don't know, some San Jose or Stockton or some shit. That's that's not really me out here. So I was like, I'm going to Wista. What'd you do uh, draft pick wise? Oh, shit. I, I think I chose 12. I don't know if I got it, though. Because, okay. of course, you know, I want that. Yeah, I want the third round reversal. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you agree? Yeah, I think you either probably want, like, I haven't really put that much thought into. I've, I've traditionally gone the 101 in uh, Scott yeah. Fishbowl, but, um, but third round reversal is pretty powerful. So uh, it really is, like man. Because then you get that, yeah, you get 12, 13 back again. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little spot there. So you, know, you get, you know, the. Your third pick is, you know, uh, the the one hundred and one. So I mean, the first two rounds, a lot of great. Yeah, you can get like, you know, Jefferson and Chase or something at the turn. You know, I mean, you really can yeah. because you know everybody goes quarterback because it's super flex, and so you can get two just like studs, and then you know quarterback, and and then kind of cobble it from there. There's a lot of different strategies. I mean, 
Um, the fact that kickers now don't get uh, negative points for missing kicks, they get um, you, you you see the kicker scoring in this thing. It's like um, they get um, uh, you know, however far the kick is. So a fifty-eight yard field goal is five point eight points plus one point for a made kick. So all made oh, kicks man. are plus one. So yeah, it's like a fifty-eight yarder is six point eight points. Oh god, I'm have to draft kickers, huh? Last year I didn't really draft them because I was like, they don't really have any upside. Like, yeah, I get that you can, they're going to be, you know, whatever wide receiver that they're going around, yes. but like, that's not no upside. Yeah. You don't draft that wide receiver thinking they're going to finish as that wide receiver. You're drafting them because right. you think it, right. So the kickers, I, I was just like, obviously I'm not going to draft them, but I mean, maybe they have enough upside to where you gotta, you gotta consider it. I rostered zero kickers on my team last year. Of course, my team was awful. I, I did kind of, I did some stupid shit last year, which is fine. But I still did not go for a kicker whatsoever. That was not part of any part of my strategy because it was all upside. I just literally, I had Trey Lance and all this stuff. So, um, Pitts, Trey Lance, everything. But this year, it's like, my goodness, like, would you rather have some, you know, shit bag, you know, backup wide receiver or kicker? It's probably a kicker. So if you're not drafting upside and you're drafting floor, the floor late is going to be in the kickers. It's kind of crazy. So it's going to, it's going to make for an interesting uh, uh, strategy, which uh, by the way, I'm sure y'all know to follow uh, our undroppables uh, YouTube page where Brian and, and Dan are doing their uh, Scott fishbowl, um, uh, you know, shows where they're, they're going over all this strategy. So they they'll do the hard work. So y'all don't have to. So just watch them and you'll know what to do, but let's get right to it, man. I got Pat Corain on the show. Here I am talking about a bunch of nonsense. Like I usually do, <laughs> but let's get right to it, man. What do you say? Let's do it. Yeah, man. Um, I, I wanted to ask you um, before we start. I mean, th- I was kind of hoping there would be some Baker Mayfield news, you know, just because there was some some rumblings. I think someone put out a, you know, hey, I've got news. I'm going to do that. I'm going to just start s- claiming I've got sources that say some shit just before, you know. But I thought there, he was a better match in Carolina than in Seattle. Um, but maybe not. W- what do you think? And what do you think is going to happen? And what do you think should happen? Uh I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I could see him going to Carolina or Seattle. Um, I think both teams desperately need to do something that is not what they say they're currently going to do. I mean, you cannot right. roll uh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke out there. I mean, I think it would be Geno Smith, not Drew Locke. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, you can't be starting Geno Smith. What difference does it make? Yeah, yeah it yeah. I actually does. I think maybe would make it. I think Drew Locke is just yeah, I so, agree. so bad. I th- don't you think, don't you think like Geno Smith better for like the, maybe the running backs and Lockett, whereas Locke is better for DK Metcalf maybe? I get that argument, but I don't agree. I think Locke is just bad for everybody because he's worse. Right. Yeah. Because right. I understand yeah. like, you know, he's, he's willing to chuck it, but he chucks it like, nowhere near anyone team. yeah yeah to yeah. The other team. yeah so who cares yeah true so but yeah i think baker's baker's got to be starting this year uh if he's not then carolina and seattle are just making i mean maybe they're just openly tanking but that's the the other weird thing is that rule is um gonna lose his job if they tank so they sh- he should not be trying to tank I mean, he should be pounding yeah. the table right now for mayfield and uh carol i don't think Pete carol wants to tank either so no. Yeah, so I, I, it might be delusional though. These guys feels, might be delusional. It feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I yeah. would be I wouldn't say shocked if Baker Mayfield doesn't start because like I'm I'm not going to underestimate uh Carol and Rule's capacity for screwing this up, but 
it would be really, really gross if uh, if Baker Mayfield's not starting for one of those teams. Um, yeah. And then Garoppolo, I mean, Garoppolo's been yes. basically shut out of San Francisco. Like, they, he's not a part of the team yes. there. So he will be elsewhere. Um, yes. You and I were talking before we started recording about Camara, which we'll get to more of, but, you know, yeah. his six-game suspension looking like, not official, but looking like that's where things are headed, doesn't seem to be fully baked into his ADP, but... I think Trey Lance maybe is not fully baked in to his ADP that Garoppolo is not going to going to be there. I think there's almost yeah. a 0% chance that Garoppolo is even on the roster uh, yes. in San Francisco at this point. I mean, that's the way that's headed. So I'm hoping that we'll get Jimmy in one of the locations and Baker in the other because I've got to cover these games. I've got to watch some <laughs> Carolina games this year. I can't be watching Sam Darnold. Nice. Well, Pat, I've been talking about it on this show so much about the the disparity between the Trey Lance best ball ADP and the Trey Lance dynasty ADP. It's unbelievable. Trey Lance is a top twelve superflex startup pick in these you know um, in these dynasty startups, and he's going like pick after pick one hundred, you know, in 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 best ball. So yeah, I think there's a a disparity there. That's pretty interesting to me. So obviously, you are talking about that ADP. And I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I drafted Trey Lance and the Scott Fishbowl, as I mentioned last year, just betting on that upside. And at some point, if he does play, he has that upside. Um, the other thing I was, it was pretty interesting is that I don't know if I've said on this pod, but you know, we're talking about it right now is the Garoppolo Baker Mayfield. You know, we really as dynasty players should have been targeting these two players in trade all off season because, and still, because their ADPs in Dynasty and their value in Dynasty will shoot up once they're the starting quarterback of any franchise. You know, whether it's Carolina, Seattle, or other, uh, they're going to go up in value. And right now, they're probably trending up, I would think, but there's still more value to gain from those two players if you can uh, coordinate the right kind of trade for them. Um, You know, we'll get there, but I mean, like, put it this way. Who would you rather roster in Dynasty, uh, Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield, for instance? Yeah, I guess I'd probably go Jones because you do have like some upside scenarios with Dayball. We don't even know where Baker's True. playing. We we know he's not playing for a good team. Um, so I probably – and we also know that the interest in Baker Mayfield league-wide is like very low. <laughs> Like that's been, what, what about like Jared? What about like Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield? I would. That's also right. That's also pretty close because of the weapons. But I. That's where maybe I maybe I'd go Baker. But like I sent so yeah. I sent a, a second round pick for Baker pre draft. So kind of yeah. like hoping some things would happen that have not yet happened. And his a great trade. It feels like his price is maybe a little lower than that now. Like I feel like. At least from yeah. his absolute low, I felt like at one point I had overpaid for Baker Mayfield. But, but yeah. I mean, I feel like that. My guess is that type of trade is still available to you if you want it. And this was a super flex team. Um, this was a team where I, I was coming off uh, winning the league and trying to stay. Like my my quarterbacks, I had Tannehill and Rodgers. So quarterback is about to to bottom out on me, and uh, and it's moving to best ball. It wasn't best ball before, so I was like desperate. Mm. So I felt fine about it, even though. I wouldn't pay the rock bottom price, but yeah, if you can get a, that's a, that's a great trade. That's a great trade because you're backfilling that, that roster, especially in best ball where the depth of your quarterback room is more important than in non best ball. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 
So that's a great trade, especially with everything there is. Well, that's why you're on the show because smart moves like that. There you go. Um, <laughs> let's let's start it off though. We're gonna actually the the listeners don't know this, but there's a show sheet. Um, you know, we try and keep that a secret. But let's start it off. We're gonna talk about the Tennessee Titans and Traylon Burks. You know, Traylon Burks. You know, this is a dynasty show. We're gonna obviously we go best ball and all the rest. Of it. We talk it all, but. In terms of dynasty, you know, you get a guy like Traylon Burks. He was a lot of people's 1.01, like literally not wide receiver one, 1.01 heading into this past season. Um, you know, he's big, he's dynamic. Um, you know, he, he didn't play a lot outside, but if you watched any film on him, he dominated when he was out there. Um, you know, his contested catch rate was just out of control. Now, granted, small sample size, but you watch him against Alabama and and other teams in the SEC, and he was dominating out there. Um a lot of slot snaps. Now he comes in overweight, can't breathe, you know, it's like has asthma out of shape. I mean, is this, is this something we should be worried about? Or is this more like um, Jamar chase can't see the white stripes on the balls type of thing from last year? I think it's something to factor in to an extent. Uh, I don't think it's quite as, I mean, the Jamar chase one was so, so easy I mean, he actually, yes. <laughs> that, that stuff kind of saved my season to an extent because I wasn't really drafting Jamar Chase at his ADP prior to that. I just thought, I was like, he's a rook. Like, I loved Chase the prospect, obviously. Everyone did. Yes, but me too. I was like, man, this is really expensive for a rookie. Um, yep. And then he fell by about a round. Yep. Because of some just total bullshit. So, <laughs> yes, I, I scooped him like real, real hard after that. And, uh, and Me too. obviously that, that well worked played. out. So yeah. Yes. I think we, the, so the thing with Burks right now is it feels like maybe the discount hasn't even fully gotten baked in yet. It, like, like I feel like he's going kind of similarly to where he was going before. Maybe it's, maybe he would have been shooting up because I feel like Drake yeah. London has moved up a little bit and maybe he'd going right with Drake London, if not for this stuff. Yeah. But I would like to see him, fall a little bit more um at least in these best ball drafts because yes uh you know i do think that he is now probably a, an underdog to be a starter in uh two wide receiver sets week one we had yes uh, on a good football show we had uh tennessee beat um buck rising come on and he was he said he thinks that it'll be robert woods and nick westbrook akine and two wide receiver sets to start the year that's not ideal Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Robert Woods to start the year? Yeah, he's he's been impressed with Robert. Robert Woods is practicing right now and looks like he's okay. like going to be ready wow. to go for week one. That's what that's the word. So, yeah, uh, if Burks isn't starting, it's not like I'm not like panicking, but it is maybe closer to like Justin Jefferson stuff where he like, uh, you know, what was he behind? Like BC Johnson or something to start the year? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. exactly right. Yes. So. Yes. You know, I I think that that should come with some kind of discount if now he's, you know, we're not potentially going to get him as a starter for the first couple of weeks and he's going to have to earn it. But like at the same that's, time, that's big. That's big news for me. I wasn't sure that Robert Woods was going to be ready for week one. And, you know, I thought maybe, you know, slowly integrated and who knows, maybe miss a few weeks. Um, but you're saying that the beat is saying that he's progressing and 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 gonna be ready for week one that's that's big to me because in that case i think robert woods is a steal robert woods is a pretty good pick right now i haven't i haven't hammered him because i do like burke so much that i'm kind of you know for this best ball stuff it's been like it's immediately become a meme but you gotta be thinking about hmm. 
week 17 where all the money is in like best ball mania and all that. Um, and yes, even, you know, main yeah. event, all these things are tournaments. So you got to think about the playoffs. Um, yeah. And so I want to have Burks for the playoffs. Not, I mean, even if you think about AJ Brown, who's like, he's literally replacing AJ Brown in the offense. AJ Brown didn't do anything for the beginning of the season. And then he exploded down the stretch in his rookie year. And so I think that's, that's kind of our new upside scenario. I don't think that Burks is going to like jump out week one and, and be a target hog, but I do think that, I, you know, I him, agree. him kind of winning leagues is still in play. Um, so I'd still rather have Burks, but man, I, you know, you're getting woods at a big discount to Burks right now. I think by, yes. you know, mid August, Maybe there, maybe it's Burks is only going like a round ahead of Woods, um, or maybe even within half a round or something. I, I don't think Woods will flip Burks, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, and so, yeah, it has me kind of waiting for that maybe to happen or, or get close to happening before I really start pounding Burks in, in these best ball drafts. But I mean, dynasty wise, like he had 46% of the Arkansas offense last year 42 yeah. percent yeah. is a true sophomore he had a really good 10 yard split i know we you know the 40 wasn't ideal but his 10 yard split was actually but he's also very strong he's like 230 or 220 i mean you know his 40 was good for his size agreed yeah so and he, he outran the alabama defense like i don't really right. buy the idea that he is like out when did he get out of shape because it was after right. it was after the elite 10 yard split so like what right. we just yeah. have like a bad May? Like, you know, yeah. like, like when did this happen? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cheeseburger May. Yeah, cheeseburger yeah. May, I guess. I mean, there were reports that, you know, he was struggling through some pre-draft workouts, but like I he probably did fine in the Titans one because they took him in the first round. So uh yeah. I, I'm like skeptical yeah. that there's any like long term impact on this, but I do think it pays to get a discount when this type of stuff uh crops up. Yeah, and maybe the discount for Traylon is the one that I think you mentioned it, the uh, Justin Jefferson type discount where it's week one, week two, week three. And he's like, wait, he's not even playing. And guys are like, dude, this guy's a bust. And you know how fickle dynasty owners are. I mean, obviously in best ball, it's it's totally different. You're just playing markets throughout the offseason, which is why playing best ball is helpful for dynasty because you can kind of see how the sort of public is valuing uh, players and how they're moving. That, that aside, in Dynasty, you know, you're just looking for the, when that opportunity is. Where's that dip? You know, the, the old saying, buy the dip. Well, I think it might be early in that first month for Traylon Burks. I, I, I like that take, and I think I'll be looking to try and pounce on a few, um, you know, Burks owners when that happens. Speaking of which, you you mentioned Robert Woods, um, you know, coming back. I, you know, Westbrook Akine, Robert Woods, and... Who in three wide receiver sets? That's the question I have right now. If it's not Burks, or is it Burks? It might not be Burks to start the year, and that's when you really right. pounce because, um, you know, I think that there's probably two sets of Burks dynasty owners where, like, some people uh, are just kind of true believers. You know, the prospect profile right. is awesome. You know, you, yep. you're you're in. You're gonna ride out some early season. You know, oh no, he didn't. He didn't like crush minicamp, whatever. But then I think right. there's some others, like maybe a little bit more like weaker hands with Burks because the immediate opportunity looked so juicy. 
So if that yeah. doesn't materialize, I mean, I, I completely agree that there's going to be this window, you know, where people will be like, oh, no. And maybe you're not yeah. paying pennies on the dollar. But sometimes in Dynasty, like the fact that a guy like Burks is even available is buying low. You know, like, yes, once that's right. Once a guy like Burks gets taken, you often have to like, you know, pay 150 cents on the dollar just to get him. So getting yeah. him at fair value, you know, I think sometimes buying low. So uh, Kyle Kyle Phillips, I believe, would be there's the answer. The, there the it slot is, guy. And they're looking at him. There that's, it is. that's the word. He's probably like a true slot. But the thing is, yep. they're talking. So this is maybe an indictment of of everyone uh, in the wide receiver room. But from what Buck Rising said, the thing that stood out the most at Titans mini camp was Tannehill's connection with Austin Hooper. Yeah. So I think we talked about, we talked about Austin Hooper last show and it was like, it's just crazy because excuse me, but like he might like, what are the odds that he's like the, you know, second on the team in targets this year? It's like actually pretty high. Maybe, I mean, I don't know about first, but he could absolutely smash from like out of nowhere. You know, I mean, it's very, very possible here. I think you're, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, you don't probably even need that much, you know, from where he's going in these drafts. I mean, and he's right. kind of free, you know, and, and like very free tight end premium uh, dynasty leagues. I, I do enjoy going super cheap at tight end if I don't have one of the elites. So he's a guy exactly you get him like for nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to use a lot more two tight end sets, it sounds like. So, yeah, I think the, the most common set will be probably Woods, eventually Burks. Uh, and then two tight ends, maybe not the most common, but, but a lot more common know, than, we, yeah. than last year when they were running a lot of 11 above league average, right? Above yeah. league, league average for sure. Yeah. And I think this Kyle Phillips, I just recently drafted him like literally yesterday in a, in a rookie draft and felt really good about it just because he profiles as the, 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 the traditional slot receiver. I mean, you know, you, you, you've just seen it, you know, we've seen these guys, the Hunter Renfro's and Braxton Berrios and, Julian Edelman's and all the different sort of slots that have just been like, yep, no, he just plays slot and catches a hundred fucking balls a year yep. for 80, 800 yards. You know, it's like, it's not pretty, but you just get a lot of PPR, you know, whether it's Jarvis Landry or all the way back, you know, there's always these slot guys who are just reliable middle of the field technicians. And that's who Kyle Phillips is, whether or not he's good enough to, you know, get himself on the field and then command targets. Well, that's a whole nother story, but he's currently in line, I mean, it's a thin depth chart. It's not like there's much there. I mean, you know, Robert Woods is a great player. Traylon Burks has huge pedigree, but, you know, fucking Nick Westbrook Akine is slated to start, and he's, I mean, you know, we didn't even know who he was last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's like a lot of thin after, it's very thin after that. So if you say, well, maybe it's going to be Woods and Burks on the outside or Woods and Akine on the outside, but Phillips is sort of that slot guy. It could very well be. I that's the thing I'm wondering about Burks is everybody wants to put him in the slot. I mean, he's kind of in the slot, but I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, he, I don't know. It remains to be seen how they're going to use Burks and whether or not those, how they're going to use those four players. And one of them could surprise, I guess what I was looking at, especially with Hooper, you know, uh, the woods news changes that a little bit for me because I think he'll just be the alpha, um, you know, used in all, all situations, but let's get right back to Burks real quick. I'm just kind of curious, in terms of dynasty, where do you feel he's at? Like, 
Um, if you're on the clock, are you taking Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks in Dynasty at this point? Yeah, I'm still taking him roughly where I was taking him. Um, you know, I'd, I'd take Hall, I'd take London, and then I'd take Burks. And, like, I'm, okay. honestly, I might trade down yeah. off London and still take Burks. Uh, oh, wow. Because part of me is like, I I do want the discount, as I was saying, but I also still want to be in uh, on Burks. So it's like if I can – yeah, I, I would have considered taking Burks ahead of London. I wouldn't do that now because the market right. is so clearly on the London side of that. But if I can yes. – if you're going to pay me to come up and take London, I can still get Burks. Happy to do that. So – yeah, right. I'd still take him over Garrett Wilson. Um, although I could, I could ultimately be very wrong on that take because Wilson, I think, is such a good yeah. prospect, and probably the guy that we're going to look back on and be like, "Why weren't we all higher on this guy?" Tenth pick yeah. in the draft, he yeah. was so good at Ohio State. Um, early declare, like Jameson Williams couldn't even get on the field there, you know, and yeah. you see Jameson Williams now going ahead of Garrett Wilson, which I, I get Jameson Williams, very exciting, great prospect in his own right. But um, Wilson's kind of checked all the boxes for us. He's a little lighter than we'd like, but he's a sub four, four guy. So I don't think we have to worry about 183 pounds with that kind of speed. Um, but I think with the Burke stuff, it's like kind of expectations, you know, like we thought he was in line for this massive opportunity right away help some people who didn't love his profile get on board. And now that opportunity looks a little less certain. Um, and it looks very uncertain to begin the year, but like, yeah. you know, Garrett Wilson's playing with Zach Wilson and, you know, I don't think Corey Davis is completely going away this year. Uh, so, you know, you're potentially looking at rotating with Davis, Elijah Moore on the outside because they probably play Braxton Berrios a little bit. Like, I don't know. I, the situation for him is not ideal either. Right. Uh, so it's kind of like one of these things where like the expectations for Burks are shifting down, but I don't know that it puts him behind any of the other guys uh, in this class. For yeah. Me. I wonder, I wonder if we'll have a, a buy low window in Garrett Wilson too. And, and yeah, it's a situation that's been a little bit scary, which we've learned our lesson. We should have learned our lesson. We, I had probably should have learned this lesson. Don't worry about situation draft talent in rookie drafts. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally sear that into your brain dynasty players but still you know split the ties with situation um you know i i remember having london burks and wilson all sort of clustered together and then you know i, I kind of started to lean towards london uh, during the offseason in, in, in my process and just trying to figure out who i like best and london was my wide receiver one and then the situation got better so yeah. then for me he sort of vaulted i think maybe that's what a lot of people are feeling as well it's like well geez he's got a clear path you know um, but you know, so, and he was my wide receiver one, but with Garrett Wilson, like I had him very close and I had him as my safest wide receiver in this, in this class. Yet now it's like, he doesn't feel the safest because there's Elijah Moore. There's, you know, there's all this thing. So, but I think we probably are, are, are fading a little bit too hard on him. Uh, speaking of, uh, fading, I've been advocating to sell low on Derrick Henry staying with the Titans. And, you know, just because I'm, I'm so unsure as to whether or not he's ever going to be the Derrick Henry we saw two years ago, you know, and you know, last year, obviously he started out, he was dominant. He's fucking unbelievable. Like I'm never going to sit here and say, Oh, I don't like Derrick Henry. I mean, he's unbelievable, but I've advocated for, for selling low, even if as a contender right now, like just trying to get off this value before it craters. And my, my argument for that has been like, 
look, if he goes out and dominates in week one, week two, obviously you, you sort of lost value. But like if at any point, but you're probably not going to trade him. You're going to be like, look, Derek Henry's great. Right. But if at any point he like pulls a hammy and he's out for two, three weeks this year, it's going to be hard to, to flip him because, you know, this is your last window, I feel like, or at least getting there. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of players, whether it's like Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, who are less valuable than him in Dynasty, but could perform just as well as him this year where you could get off him plus profit and maybe not even hurt your team and just keep that that Dynasty uh, wheel moving. What do you think of that take? You agree or you think I'm an idiot? Uh, what is low? What is... So what are you looking to get in if you're selling Derrick Henry right now? I mean, I did sell Derrick Henry in a league, and I sold Derrick Henry for Zeke plus a couple picks. Like, no, not a first round, or like a couple seconds, I think. Maybe a 23 second. I don't remember the exact trade, but like, you know, maybe a, a 22, 23 second, you know, for Zeke plus that. That know? seems fine, yeah. I, I actually took him in a league. Um, it was a, in the seventh round of a, of a uh, Superflex best ball. Um, okay. So I took yeah, him there, con- clear contending team. It's uh, a great value, seventh round, yeah. Seventh right. round, yeah. And then I'm also doing a startup right now, uh, and this is an FFPC, one of the um, Triflex, uh, Superflex. Um, yeah. And he went 701 there. So yeah. I think he's pretty well-priced. I mean, I'm not can, – Can I ask, can I ask the, like the two running backs before, two running backs after? Yeah, he, like, he Do you went, see that there? He went so it was actually pretty interesting. He so Dalvin Cook was selected at the five oh nine, and then not another running back was selected until the six twelve. So six twelves Nick Chubb, seven oh one Derrick Henry, David Montgomery goes right after, then AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones all end up in the seventh round. Yeah, the, that that group for what was it like? Aaron Jones, Kamara, Gibson, Gibson Henry. It's all like. Just put a giant question mark after all of them, like because it's like, ooh, buyer yeah. beware, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've been doing this long enough to know that these running backs are like, you know, they're just they're they're like top of the mountain, and then okay, yeah, yeah. that's done. Oh, that was nice. So that's the thing with these running backs; you're just holding the hot potato, and I, you don't want to be the last one holding it. And there's a lot of backs like that, so I'm not necessarily. I think that's actually fine value because it's right in that 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 cluster. Certainly, you'd rather have Dalvin. I, I think that's pretty yeah. clear. Um, but I mean, that's so two rounds that's, of value. Like that's a big exactly. Yeah. You're paying a lot to move up to Dalvin. So like, I'd exactly. rather. I don't mind being the last one to hold the hot potato. You know, because I just don't want to hold the hot potato like <laughs> when it loses the most heat. You know, like yeah. if you don't want to be the guy who's holding like Mixon right now. Mixon went in the fourth. You know, like that potato is about to lose a lot of heat. <laughs> And is he going to win you the league? Like McCaffrey, uh, we we took McCaffrey in this draft and uh, he's about to lose a ton of value. But he's also the 103, 102, 103 in redraft in redraft. So, you know, you're you're at least looking at a guy who who can like completely tilt the league in your direction. You're making that bet and and it's a good bet. Maybe it doesn't come to fruition, but like. He is a true win now type of guy. Mixon, you know, some of these guys, they're priced up and like, they're not even going to win you the league. So, right. uh, Henry, if he was going in that range, I would 100% agree. I do think some of the risk is now baked in. And like the Titans, he still is their identity. 
Uh, he is under contract through the end of next season. His rushing efficiency fell off a ton last year, so that's obviously a really bad sign. But they also fed him a crazy amount of, of uh, rushing touches. I think he probably gets a ton of work again this year. They have no succession plan. Um, yeah. Hassan Haskins, Hayden Winks comped him to Albert Blue, and that feels like yeah. <laughs> very fair, like maybe bordering on yeah. kind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you well, know, they've got they've got they've got a player that comps to Saquon Barkley on the roster and Julius Chestnut, but they're just afraid. They're just afraid to, to do, go with the I wallflower. Like chestnut. I do like Chestnut. They're, they're afraid of the wallflower, <laughs> but he is a UDFA, so I don't know. That counts. As, I'm, only I'm only teasing. Yeah, I'm only teasing. <laughs> I love Julius Chestnut, but of course I understand. Yes, it's a it's a bit I do. Hey, real quick, did, I forget the name of the Tennessee beat writer you spoke with, but did he mention? Um, anything about the, the, the steel plates in Derrick Henry's feet. He did not. That seems important. He, he, uh, his, his opinion is that they're going to, they're going to ride him until the wheels fall off. He's like, they're going to get every last dollar in that contract. That's, that seems to be their plan. Just keep putting steel plates in his feet until, (laughs) until his feet don't work. Yeah. I mean, that one's the one that scares me. Yeah. That's the one that scares me. You know, the foot, anytime it's a foot, uh, you know, because this just in, you do need your feet to play football. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a big deal. Like, yeah. he did not look good in the playoff game. Now, granted, he was just trying to come back. And I'm not judging future performance on that. But, like, okay, how much better? All the way back? I don't – I just don't know. I, I'm not a fucking doctor. Yeah, no, that's, that's a uh, – that's a scary thing with a running I – mean, he's so big, too, you know? It's like – Yes. He wouldn't be – A lot be, of weight, a lot of – It's like kind of like a – you know, like a NBA center or something. It's like when their feet, when they've got feet issues, you're yeah. like, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, the uh, the Ryan Tannehill, you, you kind of alluded to it. You know, he, it, there's a lot of questions with him. He's being faded big time. I mean, you know, qu- quarterback 23 on underdog, um, you know, sometimes obviously going later than that. So outside the top 24 quarterbacks, this was a guy who's performed very well, at least in fantasy, you know, the rushing upside, uh, pretty good efficiency. Uh, last year was an off year, but he's been pretty good. Um, you know, he's the quarterback 25 on uh, keep trade cut, which is dynasty sort of crowdsourcing. What do you think about that value? Is that a buy low or are you just sort of like happy to stay away? So I actually have a decent amount of Tannehill and Superflex, which is not not great. Um, yeah, right. I kind of yes. didn't see the the end coming to his trade value. Is as, the end coming though? Did. I think that end his, I think the end of his trade value is is essentially here, right? Because like hmm. now Malik Willis is is lurking, so who wants? No one wants to be the guy who traded for Tannehill right before he lost his job. Like that's right. You know, there's a there's a motion to this. You know, you know that's not fun, and uh, yeah, no one wants to hold the bag. And anytime you're is shopping, Ma- Tannehill, is Malik is Malik Willis lurking though, or is he not lurking? He's lurking. I don't know that he's lurking, lurking. Like I don't. He's not lurking for week one. Uh, but, no, certainly not. Yeah. I think there's a Jalen Hurts scenario, though, where the team is bad this year. And sure. then they move to Willis at the end of the season. Uh, and that was, that's not Possibly. the plan. That's definitely not the Titans plan. But right. it could be their plan if enough things go bad. Yeah, so, if they're three and eight. Yeah. <laughs> All of yeah. a sudden, it's like, maybe that's our fucking new plan. That's right. right. And Tannehill's expensive. Yeah. I think he's like thirty-six million against the cap next year. So, like, again, if they're if they're missing the playoffs, they might want to see how how much progress Willis has made. But you know, uh, 
Buck Rising uh, was talking about, he was, <laughs> he was saying like, they, they're like teaching Willis like modern pro football because uh, Liberty's offense was like just so rudimentary. So I do think we have yes. a long way to go for Willis to get, to get starts again, unless like disaster strikes the team. So I think it, with Tannehill, like it's almost a reverse Burks where maybe in that first month of the season, you're selling or maybe, mm. maybe after, you know, the second preseason game where like, it's plausible that Willis is with the third string in that game. And now you're like, you've got a, you've got a starter. You've got a starter again, a guy who's going to play the whole season. Um, and that's obviously going to have a lot more trade value. So I think, I think Tannehill some, at some point within the next like four or five months, will probably, you'll probably have a sell window again. At least that's what I'm hoping is someone who, who has him some, you know, in some cases I'll probably keep him, but in, on other leagues, uh, he's not someone I really should be holding. So I think you'll get that window in best ball. I think he's a pretty good pick right now. Uh, yeah, you're betting, you're betting on a quarterback. You're betting on the team to be good, right? Like, yeah. and maybe in some cases you're kind of hoping for garbage time or whatever, but it'd be a lot better for you if the team is good. If the team is good, they're going to keep starting Tannehill. So I do think, by the way, by the way, I think he's a great target in the Scott Fishbowl because it rewards a little bit of efficiency. He's efficient. Yep. Uh, you know, he's been over 67% completion percentage, you know, like every year in the last like three or four years or whatever. I'm not looking, but yeah, he's been very efficient in that way. He doesn't throw a ton of picks. Um, he won't be prolific, but he won't, well, perceive, you know, uh, presumably won't hurt you in that, in that format. Um, Agreed. You know, last year they were off, but they didn't have very much in the term, in terms of weapons. I mean, they were coming in there thinking, Julio and AJ Brown. AJ Brown was hurt. Julio was hurt and hurt. Um, and you know, Nick Westbrook Akine stepped in. You know, it was like it was like Ferk Daddy and like Westbrook Akine. And yeah, so it was a little bit rough for him. You know, I don't know how much better it is. Hopefully Robert Woods can stay healthy. If Burks is good, maybe you know, right, it could be better this year. Hooper is reliable, certainly more so than than uh Ferkser. Uh so yeah, I think it he may actually have better weapons this year. You know, even though he loses AJ Brown, I mean, in total, he has better weapons. That's definitely possible. He he should have better weapons than his worst days last year. Yes. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. 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 So speaking of which, let's let's move along. Uh, Ryan Tannehill or Daniel Jones in Dynasty? I asked you earlier about Daniel Jones, so now make it a little easier, maybe or tougher. Tannehill or Daniel Jones in Dynasty? I think Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill's been someone that we're happy to start. Uh, to your point, yep. like he's he's been a productive fantasy quarterback. I think you'll get that or rough or close to that this year, probably for the entire year. Um, maybe, I mean, there's one scenario where like the Titans are totally fine this year and they rest starters in week 18, and that's the only time you see Willis. You know, I think that's right. That's maybe I don't know. They they were the number one seed last year and they they dealt with a ton Bingo. of injuries, so that's yes. probably the most likely outcome. Uh, and Jones, I mean, like Jones is bad, right? Like the coaches can't fix bad. Uh, he's, I think he's probably Sam Darnold with better coaching. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's just not like, and they didn't pick up the fifth year option. They're right. They're basically kind of feeling this out. Uh, and then they'll probably right move. Yeah. It's the right move. It's like, they didn't yeah. really have a choice. Like you, you decline the fifth year option. Yeah. You see if you see if Daniel Jones has got anything. Then when he doesn't, you're like, okay, that's what I thought. And then you move on. Um, yeah. And like Josh Allen in this 
you know, with this coaching a couple years ago before Stefan Diggs, like he did not, it took him multiple seasons to become, you know, this Josh Allen that we even not, not 2021, but like 2020 Josh yeah. Allen would be like way too much to expect for Daniel Jones. Right. Like, and I know we're not really expecting that, but like there's kind of this feeling of like, okay, he could take this, he could really grow in this offense. Even if Daniel Jones grows in this offense, it'll probably be like 2025 <laughs> before right. we're like excited about him. Right. I've, I've made, I, I'm not the only one that's made the correlation from Daniel Jones to Josh Allen. And I did this for the, you know, years ago, not just because Dayball's coming in, because it was like, you know, I always say if, if Josh Allen were an early second round pick, he would be a backup quarterback today. Like he would have never gotten those full mm-hmm. two years and then the third year as a starter because it, it just wouldn't have been there. Like they would have replaced him probably much sooner than the first two years, like probably in year one, they were like, fuck this guy. He's not doing it, but they were so heavily invested. And then the big difference between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen are the raw tools, like the raw tools with Josh Allen. That was always the thing. That was always why he was drafted in the early part of the first round anyway, was because he had the biggest arm ever. And he had this, you know, big body, strong, fast. Like it was always raw tools. Well, he's put that together, and he's been been an incredible winner and a, a great locker room presence. I mean, he's just awesome. Daniel Jones doesn't have that. So it's like the ceiling for Daniel Jones, of course, is nowhere close to uh, Josh Allen. But as we point out, that first two years now with Daniel Jones, isn't it three years? Isn't this his year four, right? This is year so, four. Year four, right? So it's like he didn't do it in year three, which is when Josh Allen did it. But he does get a little bit of that Brian Dayball effect. You know, I was going to ask you, are you buying? It sounds like you're not. Um, but I think, you know, if you're hopeful or wish casting onto Daniel Jones, if you're, you're hoping for like a a 20%, you know, version of what uh, Josh Allen did, which is like just the ability to throw it down the field a little bit. They did fix the, well, fix. They, they improved their offensive line tremendously. So that is a huge, that's big because I, you know, I don't know if you watched some of these Giants games. I mean, I don't know if you yeah, subjected yourself some. to this torture, right? It was like, I mean, there was that – I don't remember what game it was now. I'm forgetting. But, like, that um, – it was like a Monday night or Sunday night game where, I mean, it was so embarrassing. Like, what what game was that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I can't stop thinking about the, the Jake Fromm game. So, uh... oh, my God, Jake Fromm. <laughs> what, I mean, just completely awful. But, like, they're just so bad, you know. But now they get organizational, hopefully, uh, improvement. They get offensive line improvement. They get Saquon Bark. Back, uh, Saquon Bark, <laughs> Barkley back. Sorry, first time talking, guys. Um, but you know, there's a lot of improvements on this team. Um, you know, and that kind of brings me to Saquon. Uh, he's gaining a lot of steam, rising in ADP. He's a top ten running back in Dynasty and in Best Ball right now. Has the cost gotten too high for you as a like an early second round, mid second round pick, or is that right where you like him? I kind of wish I had hammered him a little bit more in the early third. Um, because and I and I did like him a lot there, but like to me to get a chance to get AJ Brown at that price and T Higgins at that price, uh, yeah. I think those guys are superstar wide receivers, and to get them yep. kind of at the two three turn uh, took a lot. It took a lot, so I didn't get enough Barkley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Barkley going where he is now, um, or at least where he sometimes goes in the late second, yeah. is good. I yeah. don't like that he's now kind of moving up into like the early to mid second. That's where I start to feel like, 
okay, now we're like giving ourselves like collective amnesia about how last season went. Yes. I mean, there was like, it was like a kind of like a bold take last year to be like, I don't think Saquon Barkley is done. Like, like people were like, this guy's, <laughs> yes. this guy's dust. This guy is, is right. washed, you know? And I think we're all kind of, in some sense, I think coming to our senses a little bit, where it's like, he's struggling through this ankle thing after, you know, coming back from the ACL tear, like, you know, he's, he's now going to be in a much better offense, um, pass heavy offense, modern offense. So I, I think in a lot of ways it makes sense to go back to the well, but yeah. Um, and maybe it's like, kind of just like how quickly the ADP's risen that I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't love, I don't love that. I now have to take him at like the two Oh four. Um, yeah. But ultimately, like, would I rather have him than Joe Mixon? Yeah, I think I, I think I would. So yeah, I, and I think this is one of those situations where it's probably probably smart to continue to take him, it, especially like me if you're a little bit underweight of where you want to be, because I don't think he's coming down. Like, I don't think that in September he's going to be the two oh nine. He's more likely to be the two oh one than the 209 yes i think yeah. so you might as yeah. well you might as well just kind of grin and bear it and and get your exposure up at you know the mid second round price and I, he still falls to the late second uh currently so i i think you can still find spots to get him at a nice price Th- those pictures on twitter did us no favors of getting value on saquon did it now no and i did mean <laughs> yeah i did yeah he looks he looks lean uh <laughs> yeah, he looks good yeah <laughs> I, yeah, he looks a lot like me. I mean, I think kind of, but yeah, he looks yeah, good. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say the same thing. Uh, yeah. No, I think uh, Barkley, you know, just – it's not just the offense is going to be more passive, but I mean they played Devin Singletary 100% of the snaps against the Chiefs in, in their final game hmm. in the playoffs. Like they will play him. I, I mean, Matt Breida is the backup. Breida was one of the guys yeah. who was not playing any snaps in the right. playoffs. So. Uh, I think that narrative as well is going to continue to get louder. And like, I'm not buying Daniel Jones uh, from like a long-term perspective or from a, you know, he's going to be so good to change their minds perspective, but I do think he'll be, he'll be good enough to keep the offense going. He has some rushing ability. I'm actually drafting Jones in best ball. I'm just not really drafting him in dynasty because I don't think I like that. Like Joe Shane, Joe Shane's coming in with Brian Dayball. They're going to tie their, they're like first chance as a GM and a head coach to Daniel Jones past this year voluntarily. Like he has to be no way. so good for them to want to do yeah. that. Yeah. If you're buying in dynasty, you have to be buying like drafting him in every best ball league. Yeah. Like <laughs> right? every single like, one. Yeah. Cause he's having a season for the one. ages. Yeah, that's right. Cause that's the only way he keeps it. Like he's, it's gotta be a playoff team you know, like we got a shot here team, like that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Otherwise they're not. Yeah. If they go seven and 10 and he was he's pretty gone. good, like, Oh wow. He's gone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Great, great take. Um, we, we chalk and I, I know we did it early in, in the off season. We were, we were telling everybody to buy Saquon because he was, especially in dynasty was super low, like yeah, running back 15 to 20 or something like that. And that was value. Anytime he was, you know, I mean, if you could trade, Look, you could have traded Derrick Henry and gotten Saquon earlier in the offseason. I mean, so yeah, yeah, Saquon was an absolute buy. He's risen to a point where he's a little bit too expensive. Third round well, in the startup some... I just did. Third round, Third round? Went, went ahead of Eckler, went between ETN and Eckler. There you go. Yeah, that's there you go. That's yeah, there you go. That was probably RB eight. RB eight. That's exactly right. RB eight. Yep. 
Speaking of the eighth person taken in a draft, Wandale Robinson on this team was the eighth wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. He is firmly the wide receiver 14 in dynasty rookie drafts. So the NFL likes him a whole lot more than us dynasty nerds do. Uh, what do you think about this Wandale? Have you been taking him in uh, best ball and dynasty rookies? Best ball, yeah, and dynasty rookies somewhat. Uh, it seems like there's – it's like one of these guys where I'm like, I'm going to be higher than the field on Wandale, but then there's like always someone who's like very high on Wandale in the draft, <laughs> yeah. and I don't get yes. him. Uh, but I have gotten him. I just didn't get as much as I thought I would. Uh, I mean, ultimately, he's – and he's a very small slot receiver, not super athletic. So it's not like an archetype where I'm, I'm like, I'm not leaving this draft unless I get Wandale Robinson. Like I'd be happy to get right. him, but there's a lot of those people. There are. Yeah. This draft has a lot yep. of those guys, but I mean, no, no, was, I meant, um, there's a lot of those people who say I'm not leaving this draft without Wandale. There's some people who are very oh, big believers of Wandale. There are. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. like I know Davis Maddock loves him. He's like, you know, kind of like, uh, I think he views him as like one of these like gamers, you know, he's got that dog in him type of dude. Um, sure. And, uh, I mean, I, I, it's not part of my model. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just joking. I don't even have a model, so don't even worry about it. I'm, I'm joking. But I mean, like he's, he was crazy productive, uh, which is really what, what Davis likes about him. He had a yeah. 36% dominator rating this last season, uh, 35% yep. career yardage share. I mean, he's like a hybrid running back wide receiver with a 35% career yardage share. It's kind of nuts. Yep. Like that seems yep. impossible. Like I've, I've like checked that double check that triple check that I'm like, I, I have it up right now just cause I, I actually don't believe they had a 35% career yardage share. So that kind of production um, with the kind of draft capital that he just got in a pass first offense with a new coaching staff, that's like, he has security in the sense that Dable is not going anywhere for his rookie contract. Right. I mean, maybe by year four, Dayball completely blows it. He's out. But like most likely he's tied to the coaching staff and GM that selected him for his entire rookie deal. That's pretty nice. So I think you're going to have a pretty built in floor there with Robinson. And ultimately, he should be their starting slot receiver this season. And, you know, for his entire rookie deal, I think Sterling Shepard, like the Achilles stuff, Mm -hmm. I don't really mess with Achilles like. Yeah, no, I, I don't like Sterling Shepard. He's been hurt a lot, but here's here's a question. So you just said Wandale, slot guy, they love him. Second round draft capital, early second round draft capital. That means this coaching staff loves him. All that's great. How does that affect their first round pick, slot receiver, Kadarius Tony? Does he move outside or do you think it's Wandale or Kadarius? I think Kadarius is a Z, is my that's my t- – I think he's an outside wide receiver. Who, you think they think that? Well, I think – he better hope they think that because <laughs> – That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I think he's either playing outside or not playing. Like, as long as Wandale doesn't drastically disappoint – because Wandale's playing in the slot. Like, I don't okay. I don't see how Wandale – he's what, like 5'7"? He's not playing yeah, He's outside. not playing outside. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, that – he's blocked. Tony is blocked. For, for slot snaps or at least you know a ton of them uh but he played on he played outside 38 percent of his snaps last year and he was pretty good out there and i think i view him as kind of like a deontay johnson type dude like he gets open very quickly on shallow stuff but on the outside as well as in the slot like he doesn't need to be yeah. 
in the slot. Um, they're also they seem to be pretty cool on Darius Slayton, which would really yeah. help Tony if I'm correct that he's mostly going to be playing on the outside because if it's Galladay right. at the X spot and then they like Slayton now Tony and and Slayton are rotating on the outside. But if if Slayton's gone, which it sounds like he might be like traded or cut, then hmm. Uh, that really, I think, helps Tony. So I, I kind of view them as more the competition than Wandale and Tony because I think, given the draft capital um, and given Wandale's production profile, he he does look like someone who can come in and right away play out of the slot and be good. He, I think he's going to get the chance to do that over Tony. So Tony's going to have to win an outside starting job, but I I think he can. So <clears throat> I agree with everything you just said. I think Slayton is not a threat to anybody. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. he's just a guy and, and he's a, he's a field stretcher and yeah, he's fine here and there. I mean, you know, spot, spot player. I mean, he's Jalen Guyton maybe. Or, I would you know, actually love if the Chargers traded for him and, and he replaced Jalen Guyton. I mean, that'd be perfect. <laughs> there you go. But he is like, right. You know, like he's like a little bit better than Jalen Guyton. So, okay, great. So let, we, not on the show sheet, but uh, Galladay. Was Galladay hurt, disinterested, or cooked? I think I think it's a bad fit. I mean, we knew this, right? Like he goes to yeah. he goes from Matthew Stafford to Daniel Jones. It's just yeah. like I don't know, man. Like Galladay, yeah, from like, from uh, yeah, from from uh, from from whoever the fuck the offensive coordinator was to Jason Garrett too. I mean, what you know, whoever I don't even remember who it was. I was trying to remember, and I was like, doesn't matter. Any human. Down to Jason Garrett. <laughs> yeah. But I think like there's there's particular types of quarterbacks. Like you don't, you know, like Galladay should not play with Daniel Jones or Jimmy Garoppolo or Tua. Right. Like you got to play with a guy who's going to give you 50-50 balls. Right. Like th- yeah. there's certain quarterbacks that are going to, they want the, they want their wide receiver open. You know, they, they're happy to throw over yeah. the middle field, but they want to throw an open wide receiver. I think, yep. uh, Galladay's like you want like Brian Fitzpatrick to come out of retirement. You you know you you want uh, Matthew Stafford is like a perfect fit for him. You know yes. Trevor Lawrence has Herbert, shown some right. some uh, interest in in throwing kind of jump ball stuff. I think Burrow like yep. will let guys win that way. So that's Herbert, like yeah. Herbert. Yeah, go. You got to find that type of guy uh, if you're Kenny Galladay because he doesn't really get separation. Um, so no, I think <laughs> he that's was probably no the biggest separation thing. last year. Yeah, he yeah he's not going to get any this year. year. Yeah, he was covered last year. I, I can, I can confirm he was fucking covered. <laughs> um, which is kind of the problem. Like, you know, he was never a, a get open type player to begin no. with, but he was explosive and and dominant and strong and physical last year. He just looked overpowered in a lot of a lot of spots. Like you'd be watching, you'd be like, I cause sometimes I'd key on him and I'd watch him and I'd be like, oh, that no, he's. I wouldn't like if you're the quarterback, you're like fucking not him. He's not yeah. open, you know? So, uh, there, you know, there were a lot of times too, that Jones missed him, of course, which is to your point. Right. So like, yeah, it's not a very good match. And like the Wandale Kadarius, Tony, like quick little, you know, easy throws are, are more likely. And that's why Galladay scares me. And, it, and there's also a possibility he's like half cooked. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to, I don't think we'll know after this year. Like it's just, it's just not a good uh, situation for Galladay. Like even if the offense takes a step forward, mm. um, it's there's going to be a lot of wide receivers out on the field, and so it is going to come down to like who's the best at earning targets. You know, because you're going to be earning yeah. targets. Hayden Weeks has done some good research on this, where it's like 
you know, yards per route run is higher when for wide receivers when they play a lot in two wide receiver sets because you're competing against one other wide receiver and then tight ends right. and running backs. Like you're gonna you're gonna get more targets. You're, it's just like right. if, you're, if target targets are earned, but to a degree, it's like what's the target competition? What's the scheme? And Galladay's potentially going to try to earn targets against Wandell running short routes that Jones is going to love. Kadarius Tony potentially like, you know, running a lot of like short breaking routes from the outside that Jones will also love. So, I mean, Galladay is going to have to really step up his game to earn targets at a high rate this year. Uh, The other person he's going to be competing for targets with is potentially rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger, who has a very, very clear path to opportunity. His stock is rising immensely. You you see it in uh, 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 best ball drafts. You see it in dynasty drafts. You see it in dynasty ADP. You see it in keep trade cut. His stock is literally soaring. And I see it. I think he's got a great prospect profile. Um, And, you know, we seldom see these rookies actually do anything. And so that's really the only reason that I'm hesitant. Otherwise, you know, it would make a lot of sense. Um, What do you think the possibility of him actually doing anything in 2022 is? Well, uh, so I, so shout out to me. I've had him ahead of Jelani Woods in my rookie ranks the entire time. Um, And I felt like I've been been kind of taking crazy pills a little bit with the Jelani Woods stuff, because particularly in comparison to Bellinger, where I'm like, okay, Fifth-year senior Jelani Woods has a 14% yardage share. That's the only season he ever does anything as a pass catcher. And Bellinger, who's like slightly less athletic, has a 15% career yardage share, better over the course of his entire career than Woods was in his best season, which again came as a fifth-year senior. Maybe even a sixth year. He was old. So He's old. It's it's just like I just never quite understood – the enthusiasm for Woods, where it feels like you're paying, he's just a, a slightly more athletic, and that premium is like worth, you know, like a round and a half in a rookie draft or something. Where it's like, I'd rather actually, if I'm designing a player, I'd rather, you know, take some skill points out of my athleticism bar and put it into actually good at receiving skills bar. And that's what I feel like I've done with Woods to Bellinger. And in terms of what he's actually going to do, I think you're looking at he's going to get a lot of routes. That's what you're hoping for this year. It's like, he doesn't, he's not going to be good. He's a rookie. He, he's basically an athlete. He doesn't have a great receiving profile. You're just hoping he gets a bunch of routes to close the year. And then it's like, now we can project for 2023 that he's going to have like a 75% route share as like an upside case, which would make him, potentially like a tight end one, like a back end tight end one as, as a sophomore. I think that's like right. the, it's kind of the Cole Komet thing where it's like, which yeah. kind of like you're hoping he gets to where Cole Komet is this year, a year early, which I think is plausible because there's no competition. They just use Dawson Knox in an every down capacity. Dawson Knox, they don't think is anything special. Kind of another guy who's, who's an athlete, yeah. not really that much of a receiver yep. had to get like, you know, hand-eye coordination training after, uh, 2020 like you know he's he's got some work to do in terms of the receiving skills department and he's done that work but you know I think Bellinger can kind of have a similar career path to a guy like Dawson Knox but yeah year one you're not you're not going to get anything but that's okay well people forget you know that tight ends have to learn 
all the blocking too. Like it's not just like, oh, I have to learn the routes and where to line up, whether I'm slot, whether I'm tight, whether I'm off the line, on the line, which what's my read, hot, you know, all the, all the stuff. Okay. Yeah. And block. <laughs> I have right. to pass block, run block, uh, you know, all the, all that. And so there's so much to learn, which is basically I need to learn how to be a hybrid tackle and a hybrid wide receiver. Uh, yeah, let me just fucking get right on that. So they have some, they have some, uh, some veterans and Jordan Akins and Ricky Seals Jones. Ricky Seals Jones has been, you know, literally that cardboard cutout veteran tight end guy who gets passed around when everybody needs a tight end. Yeah. So, right. You know, so I think he's probably that for this year. And I think he probably does hold off Daniel Bellinger. I think that's more likely than not, but there is a world in which Daniel Bellinger is a you know smart kid starts to pick it up and by week three four five he's playing himself onto the field and he ends up being the quote unquote starting tight end for this team it's it's in the realm of possibilities uh, and for that reason I think he's worth a shot you know late third early fourth maybe you know probably late third at this point in your rookie draft because you know a tight end's a dice roll anyway and generally you have to hold yeah. on to him as long as you're willing to sort of sit there and wait all this year with nothing happening and not get you know antsy feet because he can't outplay Ricky Seals Jones and Jordan Akins then yeah go for it right? there were reports that he was playing with the ones uh in he's he's listed he's listed as the starting tight end on uh you know a depth chart right now yeah yeah, yeah I've, and I've, I've taken him in best ball in, you know, some like yeah. Daniel Jones builds where, you know, because he's literally <laughs> yes. free, doesn't get drafted. So you get the unique build, like how many teams, especially with like the, the textures of June that are going to actually yes. have Daniel Bellinger on them. Like probably yes. none, none <laughs> like my, yes. my teams, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. But like, yeah, I think you take him with the idea that maybe by the end of the season, he secured the role. I think if he's the... If he's the starter this year, he's probably playing like 55% of snaps. It's going to look like kind right. of Brownsian where, you know, it's like there's a rotation. It's not I, – I do struggle to think that with his profile, he's going to like immediately be a true starting tight end. But it totally is agree. It is interesting that like that outcome comes completely free. None of that's priced in. Yeah. Like I don't think maybe there's a 1%, 2% chance that that happens – but that's all upside where he's being priced. Yeah, it's like a 5% chance that he actually gets there or whatever. Like, right. you know, whatever, zero to five, somewhere in there. Right. It's not like, oh, it's probable. No, no, no. But, you know, like you say, that that sort of 50% outcome is that he actually does play and does contribute. So it's interesting, man. I You know, I, I find the the tight ends always very interesting because, like, if you, if you go back to Kittle, you know, Kittle was a fifth-round pick, super athletic, no pr- college production, you know, and then he played a little bit that rookie year. But when he played, he was like just ripping shit, you know, yeah. like he was, you know, like Heisman guys, like just going downfield, breaking tackles, run after catch. And he was still outside the top 10 dynasty tight ends that next year. So a lot of times you can swoop in if you see enough from a guy that you believe in and trade for him. So that's why I'm never too concerned about like, oh, my God, I got to get him in my rookie draft. I'm fine just letting it all happen. If there's a guy like I see enough in small spurts that I think he's good, just go in and get him uh, because they're pretty easy to, to to attain when they're not doing shit, you know, for fantasy. But you see him make plays, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Brevin Jordan is sort of a, a comp for like Love the that. situation that you could see where like he gets in, he works in, he never quite 
Like who was the Texans starting tight end last year? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was a rotation. It was gross. <laughs> yeah. But now like, and Brevin Jordan's still basically free, but uh, yep. especially in best ball, you know, you tack him on the 18th round, but I th- yep. think he has a shot to be like a legit starting tight end this year. So I think that's probably our path with Bellinger. We're, we're heading into year two and it's like, I, I hope he's a starting tight end, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, like yeah, with these tight end premium leagues, I have a, such a hard time paying for the guys like that are going to break out and are expensive. Like, cause like, you can get a guy like Bellinger for basically for free and yeah, you got to wait an extra year for like, you know, a Brevin Jordan type of, you know, low outcome, but you, you have a lot of roster spots to play with in most of these leagues. So you, you just kind of yes. get a bunch of those types of bets in. Well, and a lot of people lose their will and they're willing to trade, like, especially on the clock in a rookie draft, they'll trade the pick that they'll take Daniel Bellinger for like the late third. They'll happily give up a player that's maybe just about to break out right. like an Adam Troutman, right. like an Adam Troutman. So like Adam Troutman in dynasty or Daniel Bellinger, who do you prefer? Because I bet you're on the clock. Daniel Bellinger's there late third. And you're like, Hey, I'll just give you Troutman for this pick. There's probably someone who, or vice versa, you know, if you want this pick, give me Adam Troutman. People will do that deal. That's not a crazy deal. And so which one, which, which side are you on Bellinger or Troutman in in dynasty? Yeah, probably Troutman. Cause you're going to get the information right right now where you're like, you know, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to see if he's actually, cause if he's not doing it this year, it's not, it's not happening. That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. But he's, he's been okay. You know, he hasn't been, he hasn't like embarrassed himself and he's a pass catching prospect. Um, and I think one thing with Troutman that's interesting is that the Saints offense in general has a chance to be a lot better and less of a shell this year. I, I think they'll, they'll be a run first team that tries to win with ball control and defense. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be this fun up-tempo pass heavy team, but um, all of their starting wide receivers are now backups. So right. that's a big deal. You know, that's, that's a, it's a huge transition for an offense. Um, we only got half a season from Jameis. I know he's still recovering from the knee injury, but, um, you know, hopefully he's healthy enough to, to where those guys can kind of take him to another level. Um, and by another level, it's like he was actually very efficient last year, but like they just, they were trying to hide the passing game. So it's more about like yeah. coaches having the confidence to just like be, to be more like the Colts, instead of the Titans, you know? It's a great take. Yeah, it's a great take. They were trying to hide the passing game. And you know what? To his credit, Jameis did great. Like, yeah. He was a great game manager. Who would have ever fucking thought that? <laughs> I know. It's it's kind of wild. His his EPA numbers were, like, very high. He was, like, uh, I think yes. top 10 in, in EPA per play. Um, maybe even higher Yeah, than he played, that. like, seven games, had, like, four picks. It's like, how? How, <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so are we ready for this jameson uh james post-hype party are we ready for this is this gonna happen i'm kind of ready i mean there so <laughs> one thing you can do like in these right. best ball drafts you're you're taking uh i take a lot of aj brown um i like okay i like dallas goddard where he goes uh i, th- I just think dallas goddard's very good so i take yep. him i i take uh i take some Devonte smith i wasn't the biggest Devonte smith guy coming out but like he had a pretty good rookie season now he's getting discounted because of the AJ Brown stuff, but like maybe the Eagles pass more. Um, and I'm getting like a really good rookie, uh, second year breakout, not fully priced in. So all the Eagles skill players I'm interested in. 
I really okay. like taking Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts will get sniped. You know, it's not like you can just sit back and take Jalen Hurts. So you got okay. I've got an AJ Brown. Jalen Hurts is sniped. Michael Thomas is someone that tends to fall. Like he'll fall into the late seventh, sometimes the early eighth. I've drafted my, more Michael Thomas than I would like to have because I do. Right. It's like I'm kind of scooping that value. He's a guy where I'm like either. I'm going to feel really bad about taking him in the seventh round because uh, he's not going to play in the preseason and it's going to look like what's what's going on with his ankle. Maybe he's never going to play again or he's back out on the field in training camp. And it's like if he's back out on the field in training camp, they're like, yeah, Michael Thomas is starting. We basically said that was going to happen. You guys have been freaking out. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's going to jump up into what, like the late fifth, early sixth. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say even, yeah, fifth round, easy. Yeah. Fourth, yeah. fifth, sixth, for sure. He's moving up. So I don't mind. I don't but mind. Really, if, if you knew, if you knew he was 100% healthy, like they said, oh, it, like God tells you in your head, like, no, it's 100%. He's going to be fucking 100% Michael Thomas. He's maybe a third round pick. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. He's a third know, round I mean, pick if we knew that. If we knew that, right? So, like, if he looks good, he's going to trend close to that. I don't think he's going to get all the way there because we won't know that. But, yeah, if the, if the information is like, no, no, he's fucking all good. Everybody's just going to move him right up. So, I totally agree. So, yeah, there's only upside, really, in the ADP because you're not going to get any – I mean, well, unless they're like, he's never playing again. Yeah. There's, there's still always some downside. downside. But there's still some downside, yeah. yes. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, Jarvis Landry is, is well-priced. I mean, if you want to if you want to kind of bet on the downside outcome, Jarvis Landry – is not that expensive yeah. and he would stand to benefit a lot, I think. And then Chris Olave, I don't love him as a prospect, but he is not overpriced. I don't think, um, I mean, no. maybe he is slightly because Garrett Wilson is so, so cheap that it's hard for me to take yeah. him over Garrett Wilson. But, um, again, like I don't mind mixing in Olave and then that puts you on Jameis and it's like, okay, now I've maybe yes. have a Jameis double stack or a single stack with yes. an Eagle or two coming back. It's kind of fun. Yeah, you can get the – I've been saying this all offseason in best ball. You can get the Saints. You, you can, can just do it. it. Yeah. You can it, – it's easy. It's cheap. You can just have all of them. You know, you can get Troutman. You can get – I mean, outside of Kamara. I don't I don't ever draft Kamara yeah, yeah. really because – He will be cheap. But we, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, we're going to get there in just one second. But, like, all the pass catchers, you can just – Landry, Olave, Thomas, Troutman, Jameis, whatever combination of that you want – you can just get it. You don't even have to pay up. You just have it. Yep. And then, so yeah, in a, in a tournament, if you bet on that, well, I mean, you know, it's not bad. So um, that and being for, said, though, I have to ask you. Go ahead. Well, I just want to say for, you know, this is a dynasty podcast. Maybe people aren't yeah. quite as sick on the on the best ball stuff. The reason I'm talking about they the love Eagles it. They love it. is because they play the Saints in Week 17, and, and this Week 17 correlation is is very important for these uh, best ball teams. So, I yeah, see, I see. I, yeah, I am yeah, aware yeah. that exactly. AJ Brown's we, not on the Saints. Yeah, <laughs> people are like, the fuck is this dude talking about? He's an idiot. Don't worry about it. That, that was just my Massachusetts accent to all the mass holes. Listen, dude, this fucking guy. What the fuck, bro? Um, and he, it's true. That's what they're saying. It's fucking stupid fucking podcast. Um, uh, that's my boss guy. Um, but, um, but like, okay. So if you had to bet and I, if you think it's a smash on either side, tell me what your number is, but over under 20 more career games played for Michael Thomas. I would take the over. Um, me too. He's what he's 29. Uh, yeah. Like I think the bigger issue is that he's not who he was, you know, he kind of finishes out his career as kind of like, you know, remember like, uh, I mean, I don't know that he kind of has a Sammy Watkins level second run or, 
Um, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, kind of the, do that. the last, the last few uh, Kenny Britt years, you know, it's like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're trying to, Hey, come on. This is supposed to be a happy show. Don't do this to the people. They're throwing up on their shoes. But like, yeah, you're right. I think the, the idea would be that he just declines yeah. and he's no longer, you know, slant boy. Uh, he's, you know, fucking covered. Um, but covered yeah, boy. I think we'll, we'll get covered. games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I wonder, like, you know, that I said like 20, I mean, I guess what is the over under like, what, yeah, I guess it's, it's not games. It's more just, um, good games. Like how many more good games does <laughs> yeah. he have left? And it's like, yeah. That's a half a game. Like, it's like, will he ever be good again? Yeah. Yeah. That's like really how many question. more, like, I don't know, uh, games where he has like 15 PPR points targets, a game or right? something. Yeah. 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 15 targets. Like he used to get oh, targeted. Like, remember that? You're, no, but right, like he yeah. was like you'd be like, dude, fifteen targets, eleven catches, one hundred and twenty-two yards, zero touchdowns, of course, but whatever. You know, <laughs> you'd, you'd just be every week, right? You know. So, um, all right, Camara, let's just do this. So, Camara's going to be suspended. We talked a little bit about this before the show. I mean, we we all should have been valuing Camara as if he was going to get suspended. Michael P. Duncan's been telling the world for forever since the beginning of the the damn off season that he's going to be suspended. I mean, we couldn't have been saying this more. So value him as if he's only playing the second half of the season, of course. Right. Um, you mentioned something pretty interesting that the, and, and Michael P. Duncan pre-show that like his trial isn't until like August or some shit, it could get delayed and therefore the suspension could get delayed. Yikes. That's interesting because that puts him maybe being suspended later in the year. Yeah, what are maybe. your thoughts here? What's going on? Yeah, the, I mean, we just don't know yet, and like they they pushed yeah. it back, um, but I don't think he's going to be able to get it pushed back like past the season. Um, and there's there's a video of this uh, alleged brawl that occurred uh, in Vegas, um, of which you know Camaris is, is the word is that he threw punches there. So mm-hmm. if there's you know if there's video of him throwing punches, then he's getting suspended, you know? And I think right. the, the, the report last week, you know, is he's bracing for a six game suspension. I think like, you know, obviously the worst case scenario for all these tournaments and stuff is that somehow that suspension falls at the end of the season. Um, or it's like one of these things where maybe he takes half of it at the end of this year and goes into next year, something like that. That's, that's like, the, you're dead, you know, any Camaro yeah. shares are just kind of write offs, but, uh, that's pretty unlikely, I would imagine. But like, even if it's delayed yeah. to the middle of the season, where it's bye weeks, like six games is a long time, yeah. and you want your, you don't want a, a running back who you drafted pretty highly, not to not be available during the bye weeks, like the week nine where everyone's on bye. Um, you know, it'd be nice to have. Actually, don't know when the Saints bye is, but you know, that's um, not a great general period to to not have your running back. But I think overall, like talking to people about Camara. Uh, really sharp people and just kind of talking through the outcomes for his season over like the last month, I didn't hear a lot about, and he's going to get suspended. It was always like, you know, his rushing efficiency fell off a lot last year. I'm not as confident in the offense to pass the running back, Um, you know, kind of this and like kind of all on, on field reasons, or he's going right around this guy kind of prefer his profile. So it's really has felt to me like the suspension is not being fully baked in to his ADP. So, yep. why, so I, I do have a share of him in a underdog puppy draft, which was auto-drafted. Uh, that's the only, <laughs> only share I have of Camara. 
in best ball because, uh, I, man, I, he feels to me like he's going probably in the fourth round. Like, okay, Kamara suspended six games. Do you want him or Zeke? In 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 uh, in redraft in best ball best ball yeah. yeah Zeke yeah so Zeke yeah I I would too and I'm not really taking Zeke that much um I've taken him no. more than Camara though <laughs> yeah so oh, because Camara like yeah I mean best ball is a little bit different tournament best ball especially I'd I'd be I'd probably lean Camara I, I, yeah that's uh, yeah I, I that's interesting I mean you know because Camara's got the ceiling. For sure, right. uh, but but yeah, I think I'd rather have Zeke. Um, you know, I mean, because he has he has ceiling too, really. I mean, because the 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 Saints could be bad. I mean, right? They could be bad. I mean, yeah. it's not like they're like, oh no, the Saints will be. You know, we we think of the Saints and we're like, no, they're good, right? Just because right. they've been good with Breeze and Peyton for so long. But new coaching staff, Jameis fucking Winston is their quarterback. It's not like, oh, that's a that's surely you're going to be good, like. You know, yeah, sometimes they're losing a lot because he throws pick sixes, but they may play different. They're more run heavy. Well, look, if they're more run heavy, that's also not good for Kamara. You know, you kind of want that little run and gun, short passing West Coast offense for Kamara where, you know, it's high volume. You know, what do you yep. have? 81 catches three years straight, like not last year, right? So, you know, now it's like, well, if he's a 50 catch guy, yeah. Well, yeah. and what the hell good is he? You know, and then if he's a 50 catch guy but misses six games, well, then now I don't want any of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, it. I probably will draft Camara a decent amount, but in September, once once yeah. it, once I know what's happening and once it's Bingo. fully baked in. That that's right. That's exactly right. When the world starts to fade him big time, then he'll be a value. That's right. 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 That's exactly right. Uh, speaking of people fading, uh, Cam Akers, my 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 boy. Would you rather have Camara or Cam Akers in Dynasty? Easy one, Cam Akers. Yeah, Cam Akers, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's so much easier to see how you're getting a profit on Cam Akers. Um, yeah. And I, in, right. in this draft I did, Cam Akers went uh, mid-fourth and Kamara went mid-seventh. So, you know, just, yeah, just yeah. market yeah. value right there. And then, yeah. um, I mean, if Akers, even if you don't believe in him, like if Akers just looks spry week one, he might jump around, you know? Exactly. Be- so... <laughs> A lot of, lot of potential for just a trade value win on Akers. And obviously... Cam, Cam Akers in that draft, running back 13? Running back 11. 11. Yeah, yeah he went ahead of Dobbins, ahead of Ken Walker. Yeah, that's about right, don't you think? Yeah, it felt fine. Um, yeah. You know, I think, let's see, kind of going around wide receivers who are not, like, locked in. Um, you know, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman. Where the where the two wide receivers came off the board right after, yeah, like uh, Pittman over him and Judy less than him. Yeah, that seems totally fine. Uh, yeah, so so Cam Akers, you know, like I've been a huge Cam Akers fan. You know, coming in, obviously he looked really good in in year one. Pops the Achilles, comes back, which I predicted, of course, because fucking it's not 1972. <laughs> and, uh, right, I mean, people are like, oh, it's a death sentence. It's like, no, it's not. Have you fucking seen Kevin Durant? Uh, you know, it's like, it's not. Emmanuel Sanders, O.J. Howard, like, there's just a, fu- yeah, it's not a death sentence. It's like, well, running backs, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, the, 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 that was that was awful. Anyway, so we're past that. We know that the, the health part, he can come back. But the question is, to what degree is he 
as explosive? Yeah. Uh, was he ever any good? Right. Like, like you know, it's possible. Uh, is the offensive line any good? Like there's other questions, not just uh, can you physically come back from an Achilles because of modern medicine? Now it's like, well, is he 92% as explosive? Is he more explosive? Is he 78% more? You know, you know, where is he as a player? And then is he any good? Like, you know, the one thing with, with Cam Akers is he was always, for me, he was more of an athlete that was going to need to learn to play running back. And that's the numbers have shown that too. Like his, his, uh, advanced box, uh, um, um, counts, um, efficiency stats are like, he's not as efficient as other players in the same offense, but he's more explosive. Well, yeah. it's like, yeah, that makes sense, right? That makes actually all the sense in the world. That's who he is as a player. In this Rams offense, though, it's like, my goodness. He he, he really appears to be like the upside is huge. And the downside, I guess, is like he gets played off the field as he did in the playoff game by Daryl Henderson, right? Yeah. Yeah, I tend to right? think with the Achilles stuff that it's um, – that in general, I would really prefer the guy have – like a year plus, you know, yep. so I don't think it's like necessarily career ending. Although I do think that there's like a bigger chance that it really saps something from a player. Yes. Um, it can, right. Yeah. Or that it saps it for a long time. Like, it seems like, like I was, I was pretty intrigued by Deontay Foreman coming in um, and he tore his Achilles and like was out of literally out of the league. Now much later pick. Um, but right but was out of the league and then came back last year and looked pretty good. You know, it's like, looked okay, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He needed, he needed, you know, a, a decent chunk of time before he could actually regain yes. some of that explosion. And Cam Akers just looked, he didn't have any explosion in the playoffs totally. last year, but that's to be expected. So I don't mind. Yeah, he came back so quick. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I almost didn't want him to come back. Yeah. And it probably was a bad decision, especially the way like they were like, all right, go out there. You know, I was like, Whoa, kind of aggressive i i didn't expect that you know i, I was thinking he might come back but i didn't think they'd ride him um and so i think that proves that he's healthy enough but i don't think he was strong enough agreed yeah and hopefully yeah. i mean it, it also shows they would really prefer to have cam Akers as their clear lead back <laughs> yes so that's that's, that's nice correct. to see um yep so yeah i think Akers is like very much kind of a big swing you know i've taken yep. him some in redraft uh but yeah, I think you're you're really swinging for the fences. But like when you're drafting running back, you should be swinging for the fences. I wrote an right. article about yeah. this last year. It's like the whole point of drafting running backs is that they have one of these seasons that completely changes the landscape. And Cam Akers, I think, actually right. like it's okay bet for that where he's going because um, if he's if he's the Cam Akers we thought he was going into last year, which you're right, like we weren't even sh- totally sure that he's this great talent, but we thought he might be. Turns out that he is. He's healthy. I feel confident that he, if those two things are in place, the Rams will ride him, and I feel confident yes. in the Rams' offense. So you kind of, it's like a two-leg parlay. That's right. He is who we thought he was yeah. before the injury, and then he gets back to full health. That's exactly right. So, like, um, as we look at like Cam Akers in twenty twenty two, do you think he ends up being an, an RB one, which is of course where he's being drafted? You know, uh, does he finish as an RB one? probably I guess it's, it's tough it's tough because like he either it's like he obviously yes how could you think that he never would like he this was you know he's he finishes RB6 who already was not RB1 um or he's like RB22 <laughs> you know yeah. like 
it, I think it could really yeah. swing the, the high range of you know, a wide range of outcomes for him. But I'll say, I'll say yes. I'm drafting a lot of Daryl Henderson, so I would. Me too. I'd prefer no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I know I, I I'm drafting probably, a lot of Daryl Henderson too. I think he's a great value in best ball leagues because, like, okay, like you know, there's a chance that they just prefer him in certain game scripts too, like they did in the playoffs. That's the that's the main reason I really like Daryl Henderson. It's like, you know. People ask, oh, does he have standalone value? It's like, well, not if Cam Akers is dope every single game, but that's right. not likely that he's just um, that good and, um, you know, and never comes off the field. Yeah, there's going to be situations where either he's he's banged up, you know, a little, you know, whatever, this type of thing, and, and Daryl Henderson is playing and starting, and there's going to be just – game script situations where, you know, they're like, no, Daryl Henderson played a ton, got eight targets, six catches and a touchdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think maybe we'll get something kind of um, like the 49ers or something last year where you get usable weeks from both guys as they kind of rotate through. Cause I mean, I was pretty pleased with the Rams last year. Like, you know, they didn't really like what they were seeing from Henderson. And then they kind of started to bring in more Michelle and then they just gave it all to Michelle. And that is, yeah. that is nice. It's like, they do seem to want to have a guy taking like yep. 80% of the work. Um, so I think yep. Akers will get that shot. You know, if he can't handle that, then we Agreed. should get Henderson coming in and he'll, he'll be probably like a clear lead back for those weeks. Bingo. That's exactly right. That that's exactly the point. They seldom just kind of like split it up. They, they tend yeah. to lean into one guy. So if, if a guy's banged up, they'll just go with Henderson. Yep. Totally. Speaking of, uh, you know, just 2021, man, Stafford to cup was like, I mean, one of the greatest, well, maybe the greatest, I don't know about that, but like right up there with like the Montana Rice stuff. I mean, it's an all-timer, man. That that season, you know, triple crown, the whole thing with Cup. I mean, absolutely epic. Obviously, we know it's not going to be a quote-unquote repeat. I understand that. But does it effectively repeat? I think, I mean, it's going to be a really good season for Cup, I think. Um that's what I mean. Yeah, I think like, you're yeah. you're betting on like the AJ Brown or not the AJ Brown, the Antonio Brown, uh, yes, run that he had where he was able to actually like you know as a first round pick for multiple seasons deliver on that strong strong connection with his quarterback, really good offense. I mean, I'm I'm happy to bet on Cooper Cup uh, as the 102. Um, I McCaffrey's got such a high ceiling that I will take him over cup occasionally, but it's kind of like the ADP for that format. Um, if cups, the one Oh two and ADP, and I'll take cup when I have the one Oh two, if he's the one Oh three, I'll take McCaffrey when I have the one Oh two. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on him over Jefferson who I love, uh, and over chase who I also love. So I, it's a nice year for the wide receivers at the top this season. It feels a little bit like more locked in, um, kind of both with like really high floor and ceiling outcomes for those top three guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you look at um, Cooper cups, like career stats and it almost looks like a misprint because he had a 191 targets and 145 catches last year. Like we wow. can't even think that that's, what's going to happen. Like that's ridiculous. I mean, think about that. He, I mean, this is crazy. He had by far his highest target output, in his career and had a 76% catch rate. Like, holy shit. That was so efficient. We just can't expect that. We should expect, you know, 150 to 170 targets, maybe 70% catch rate, you know, so 
back down to a sort of normal, just over 100 catches, 1,500, 1,400 yards, right? But even that, that's really, really good. And and I think that that is what I'm talking about. Does it repeat? Certainly not this ridiculous, um, you know, triple crown season. But I think right. that's what what I'm expecting. Is that about where you're at with this? I am. Yeah. I mean, he's he's going to regress significantly, but like he had 3.12 yards per route run last year, which is like I, I kind of consider an elite yards per route run to be a little over two. He had like a full another yard per route run. And like, and if you're under one, you're terrible. So like, you know, if the gap from one to two is basically right, pretty much every wide receiver. Terrible to unbelievable. Right. Yes. Good point. Then you, he went from two to three. That's insane. (laughs) That's like, it's insane. I mean, three is like a guy who ran like, you know, a few routes in a game and happened to have a long touchdown and played one game. Yeah. Like that's the guys that you'd <laughs> right. expect to have yeah. a route yards per hour number three, not not the engine of one of the best offenses in the league. So he's just got so much yeah. room for that negative regression to come, which it will come, but um you know, it's like right. You still yes, you, you still, can say he's gonna regress and be dope. That's that's yeah, the answer. He that's can regress exactly right. to yeah. the wide receiver one again, you know, like the he's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He it, really there is room for significant regression and him to still be the wide receiver yeah. one. That is correct. Yeah, I, I would. That's why I, think I like that's maybe so the most likely outcome in some ways. Yes, you know, I, I guess. I'd yeah, take so the field, you, you, you mentioned that you like drafting him at the one point of the two in best ball. I think I've done that. Uh, maybe certainly 103, 104 is, yeah. is fine. I mean, is he your clear wide receiver one in redraft in best ball? He is. Yeah, I think partly because uh there's not that much consensus between Chase and Jefferson. So you'll see, yep. you can you can be at 105 and get Jefferson. Uh, yep. You can get 105 and get Chase. If you're at 105, yep. you're rarely, rarely getting caught. Um, yep. I guess it might happen occasionally, but it's just so much less common. And with that, you know, there's certain years where like, you know, I wasn't on Zeke last year as like a top five pick. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly been years where I've faded Derrick Henry much to, to my own misery in the top five, you know, so I do, I do, I am okay taking stands in the top five against one of the guys, but not this year. I think this year's top five is really good. You know, McCaffrey's got this incredible ceiling, Jonathan Taylor, best running back in the league. And then you get these three wide receivers that are all superstars, great situations. Uh, I just see no reason to take a stand against anyone. So it's more about if I'm drafting a lot, you know, I'll let the 80, I'll let the rooms decide, where I take these guys. I don't, I'm not going to yes. like get all nitpicky about it. I love this. T- I love that take. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Jefferson or chase, who do you prefer? I prefer Jefferson. Uh, Me because, too. Yeah. It, lack of target competition for him is like, yep. you know, the, the Cooper cup blueprint uh, is, you know, and I know kind of Ian Hart's had a good tweet about this today. of like, Justin Jefferson like had this incredible stat line last year. Like, why are you now saying he needs the Cooper Cup role? Like, he's Jeff- Justin Jefferson. <laughs> what more do you? Yeah. What more do you people need? Uh, yes. And and I <laughs> yeah. th- I think he's right. Like, he's already Justin Jefferson. But at the same time, like, if we're looking for one of these like scorched earth campaigns from a wide receiver, I do think it's more likely to come when there isn't really that strong of target competition, and. It's also like you can't completely ignore the other guys. Like if you just completely ignore Adam Thielen, he will make you pay, you know, so from a defensive yeah. perspective. So speaking I, of guys that make you pay, 
Um, you got you got uh, Matt Stafford, who you admitted likes to target uh, big outside receivers in Kenny Galladay. Yeah, You've yeah. got the gravity of Cooper Cup drawing defense. What about Allen Robinson in this offense? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I haven't really been drafting a ton of Allen Robinson, uh, which I think is maybe a leak. Um, he was just like he was so bad last year. Uh, but he obviously yeah, he was quite he was terrible. Good. He was terrible. It's quite good the year before though. And your, your point about comparing him to Galladay, I like, I mean, um, you know, I think having Stafford could really unlock Allen Robinson. Uh, I also think he could probably be used in a couple different ways in the offense. Part of me wonders if he takes on maybe more of that deep threat role um, that they originally tried to have Odo Beckham in to start the year. Uh, but then they started using Odo Beckham more shallowly as the year went on and kind of into the playoffs. And that worked out better for Odell Beckham, but ultimately maybe Allen Robinson thrives more as kind of the, a field structure, a big body field structure in the mold of Kenny Galladay, which is actually pretty intriguing. Uh, so yeah, I probably need to draft him more. He's like a little more expensive than I want him to be in, yes. uh, in redraft and in best ball. Like people seem to really feel strongly that the most likely outcome is that he, he has a strong bounce back season. And sometimes I just have a hard time when the market is like so confident that that's the case. And I do think there's a, some downside here. I mean, the guys, you know, how old is he? He's like uh 29, he's about to be 29 in August. Uh, and he's coming off a really bad season. I mean, there's more than one way that this could go. Uh, and so the market seems a little more confident than I'd like, but I, I probably need to just uh, to take a little bit more to have some exposure because getting exposure to the Rams um, with cup. I mean, he's expensive. Uh, yes, the acres is, is not cheap. Um, I don't like Van Jefferson very much. So it gets to the point where, you know, how do you get exposure other than just being wildly overweight on Tyler Higby, which I am. <laughs> uh Oh, uh Oh, that's going to hurt. I think, I don't know. <laughs> here's, not, okay, here's, yeah, Higby's always, yeah, go ahead. Well, here's my Higby take. Okay. All right. I need to tweet this out because I've been getting heated. I've been heated enough to where I just need to tweet it. But like, I constantly hear about Irv Smith now having the Tyler Higby role and he's going in like the 12th round. Higby yeah. also has the Tyler Higby role. He's literally Tyler Higby. He goes three rounds right. later. Like it's kind of, and he's in a better offense. Like I, I get that. Like, you know, we're maybe a little bit uncertain about targets, but he, he ran really cold on touchdowns last year. Uh, he's yep. going to run every, there's no additional tight end competition on the Rams. Uh, maybe True. Jacob Harris, cuts in maybe jacob harris gets cut though like i, I don't yeah, I actually say yeah yeah <laughs> i know who's the, who's the competition yeah. yeah so um i don't know to me uh price adjusted he's such an easy click uh he, he goes as if he's like if as if there's real question marks surrounding his role instead of being an every down locked in tight end on one of the best offenses in the league so uh i do yeah. have a ton of higby but i probably need to get more robinson yeah, that's fair. I, you know, for me, and, and I don't know what you think. I, I my whole take on tight end uh, after the f- top elite guys is kind of like what you were talking about with early round running backs is all upside because I, I mean, you know, if especially if you're in a managed league, I mean, obviously there's you, you got to be drafting some floor at tight end in best ball because you can't go to the waiver wire. That's a little bit different, but. In, in a managed league or dynasty, like if I'm taking late tight ends, I don't need the tight end 15. 
You know what I mean? I don't need the yeah. tight end 15. I'm hoping to draft the tight end 20 who ends up being the tight end eight. Yeah. You know, or or has a chance at becoming Darren Waller, George Kittle, or right? Like, you know, think about that year that you drafted George Kittle when he was uh, like his second year after his rookie year. Like, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for like this this ceiling. And I don't know if Higby necessarily has that, but I see your touchdown upside point because that's a fact. Yeah, to me, there's like there's two ways to get there. You either get there's your point about tight end being such a difficult position earlier. I completely agree with that. I think outside of quarterback hardest position uh, on the offensive side, I don't know enough about the defense to say if it's in all of football, but uh, you know, right. you're asking a yeah, guy yeah, yeah. to be a tackle and a wide receiver. Basically that's nuts. Yes. I mean, the guys that can actually do that, there's a reason why at the top of that position, we really see like the most locked in guys over the course of an entire career. Like once someone emerges as a Travis Kelsey, as a George Kittle, as an as a special talent at that position, they don't go away if they stay healthy, right? I mean, we've got like right. Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski, like the guys at the top of this position who are able to pull off that stay. hybrid role, they stay. So yeah, if Peter Howard just tweeted something about this where they don't replace, they just stay. They, yep. Yeah, and I think there's a talent reason for that. And there, I think there's some indicators. I, yards per out run I like a lot is a stat, but I love it for tight ends because I think it really shows you guys that are actually able to get targets when they're out there. Some systems call for a lot of routes from the tight end, but they don't really throw to the tight end very much. Right. And the guys that are actually yep. able to, to change that and, and have the system incorporate them as a receiver, those are, I think, Alberto. Alberto has had that type of profile. I, I also like Greg Dulcich, so I'm not quite as as high on Alberto as everyone because I do worry about his routes a little bit. But I, I I'm love, overweight. I love Alberto. I'm overweight on Alberto for the record. I also just love Greg, yes. Greg Dulcich. So yeah, Alberto. Yeah, I like Dulcich. Uh, Mark Andrews was was like flashing this nonstop um, before he finally yep. it happened last year. Dallas Goddard is coming off a crazy good yards per hour run season. So good. So yeah, last year was really good. He's so good. I I said I was on a podcast with Justin Herzig uh, yesterday, and I I mentioned I think he's more talented than T.J. Hawkinson, which he yeah, was. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I feel like that's. I but he was like, "Whoa, that's kind of a take. Like that's an interesting take. Like you know, I don't think a lot of people would agree, but like to me, like when a guy, it, it's I'm always looking at these tight ends. Are you actually? on your way and it's going to be a multi-year path on your way to to blossoming into one of these rare guys who's dictating targets while while serving as like a tackle and uh yeah. you can kind of hunt around for those dudes alberto would be probably the perfect example this year of the guy who might emerge as like one of the rare guys um yes. otherwise yes. i think we're just looking for can you run all the routes and will you score touchdowns and then yeah. it's like that's how you find Logan Thomas, you know. Yes. It's hundred percent it, route share. Hundred percent route share. He doesn't share. come off the field, right? That's yeah, how you find Dawson Knox, you know. And I think yeah. that's what I'm trying to find with Tyler Higby. It's like in the 15th round, 14th round, I'm getting a guy who I think very, very likely to run all the routes. He runs hotter on yep. touchdowns in an offense that scores a bunch of them. And I have the tight end eight. You know, I'm not, I don't have the tight end two, but I have. You know, he's more than paying off that ADP for me. Yeah, I love uh, – well said, man, because my take is like if you were to think about like all the tight ends being drafted, like let's just say past 
like Schultz and Goddard. Like, you know, what chances do they have to finish as like a top four tight end? Well, it's not very good, any of them, right? Like it's all low numbers, but like who has the highest percent chance of doing that? And that's the guy I'm looking for. And that's where Albert O is. I'm not saying he's yeah, got a yeah. good chance to finish as the top four tight end. I'm saying he has a chance. Yes. <laughs> right. He has a chance. He has a chance of being George Kittle. I'm not saying he is fucking George Kittle. I'm saying he has a chance. Whereas some of these guys, you look at him as like zero fucking chance. Like yeah. it's zero chance that you're going to be a great, like you're just a guy that can like, Oh, you might do some things. So that's where I'm looking in those, in those later picks, especially in dynasty where the value then not only do you now have a Kelsey Kittle Waller guy, but you also could now you have that value of that, you know, obviously in best ball and redraft, you know, you don't get to reap that value into next year, but in dynasty, you absolutely do. Um, and, and I love your Goddard take like Goddard Hawkinson. I feel like if you and I were GM of a football team, we might take Hawkinson, but that's not what the question is. The question is are, for fantasy. I think Goddard's a better receiver. Hawkinson, a better all round tight end. Maybe that's fair, but Goddard is a big play. Like he was like, I think it was like 15 yards a catch last year. Goddard is also a gigantic human being. Like I, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. No, like, he's I a good one. The... Yeah, he's good. Yeah. So he's I, good. I, I think I would take Goddard if I was the GM of a team. Nice. I love that. You Boom. know, Great job. He's, he's been yeah, better. Goddard was also a second yeah. round pick. He was crazy efficient in college, yeah. but it's uh, well, he went to South Dakota State. So like, you can't uh, can we can we trust that? That might just be noise, right. you know. But he's yeah. translated that. You know, he came in. He comes into a team where Zach Ertz is there. He immediately forces a committee with Ertz. Then he takes the job yes. from Ertz. Then they draft Devontae Smith last year, and Goddard is really the number one option in the passing game instead of. The, the crazy high-drafted wide receiver just won the Heisman. Yeah. So he's done everything to this to this point. Now we're like, well, they don't pass enough. But isn't that the Mark yeah. Andrews story? That's why Mark Andrews was yeah. always underdrafted. So I'm not saying it's going to be this year with Goddard because – It might be, need- though. That's actually a good take because because he's being he's being suppressed because of A.J. Brown, right? Because yeah. yeah. now it's like, oh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, where is he going to get his targets? Da, 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 da. And that's actually – something I've been thinking, but maybe that's just pushing him into a range where he's now a smash at value. So I like that take. I like that take a lot. I probably have been fading Goddard too much because of the AJ Brown effect. Whereas I should just view the AJ Brown effect as why he's available when he's available. Exactly. Yeah. It seems priced in and he's, I I can't remember the trade off the top of my head, but we were, I was on, I have a league I co-own with my brother and, uh, we had the 109 or the 1010 in a super flex, and we're trying to get off that pick. And we threw in um, like a future pick as well. And we got, we ended up getting like Goddard and DeAndre Hopkins or something. Um, yeah. So, you know, you don't, you're not paying a ton to get. Uh, right. Okay. I found, I found the trade. The 110 this year, a 2023 second round pick, and a 2025 third round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and Dallas Goddard. I mean, seems fair. Seems pretty good to me. Like, you know, yeah. I'm getting a guy especially who... If, yeah, especially if it's win now and you've got, now win you've now got two win now pieces. I mean, yeah. Goddard's going to be good. It's tight end premium, I'm guessing. Tight end premium. Yeah. Tight end premium, yeah. super flex, yeah. and uh, it's a right. win now team. Uh, Goddard, by the way, I just pulled up. He was second in receiving grade, but uh, according to PFF, behind George Kittle, ahead of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski are the three next guys. Yeah. Uh, I... I think Goddard's a special player. 
I just think he's a special player. So I'm just going to keep betting yeah. on him until he, he like delivers a huge season. That's where I'm at on Goddard. Look, Pat, the only, the only criticism, <clears throat> the only criticism I've had on this podcast of Dallas Goddard is peripheral vision. I don't know if you saw him get starched in that bar, but he should have seen that fucking oh, thing coming. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not, uh, great. that's not great. I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> he, he went down soft and easy, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh you got to dock him for that. All right. I, 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 I yeah. take Hawkinson actually. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I, I thought you might've forgotten about the fact that he was starched <laughs> I, in a bar. I, so had, no, I had yeah. forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of starched, uh, you know, <clears throat> My boy, we're gonna we're gonna go there just to finish it off because I need to hear the hotness of the hotness of Gabriel Davis takes. So, look, I have been a Gabriel Davis believer, and uh, and I don't know, I like I feel like I have zero zero to do with the fact that Gabriel Davis is as hot a prospect as he is right now, but I just can't understand why he is so overvalued in these best ball streets. Like I am the OG truther of Gabriel Davis yet I can't stomach pressing the button at like wide receiver 24. I mean, are you zero invested in Gabriel Davis or more than that in these best ball streets? I'm going in on Gabriel Davis. I mean, I'm chasing that upside. I'm getting in on stacking. Uh, it's he's expensive. Yes! He was cheaper. Yes. I, I, I wish this. I got more when he was cheaper in best ball, but Oh, this is so good. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Davis to me is that, when you're a day three pick, you know, it's kind of like the, it's the Bellinger stuff a little bit that we were talking about before. It's like, you got to adjust the expectations for these guys where, yeah. you know, he's a day three wide receiver. So is he going to come in and immediately, you know, have this breakout uh, in terms of his efficiency, in terms of his, his production? Probably not because they're probably not even really incorporating him into the offense. Like, what does he get? Like the, the fourth read on, you know, some of these plays He's like, going to be kind of a field stretcher a downfield threat in college so his rookie season made a lot of sense in terms of him not being that efficient but he forced his way onto the field as a day three pick like I also liked Isaiah Hodgins who was I believe their sixth round pick Isaiah Hodgins yeah he's like no longer going to be on the bills after final cuts like you know the day, day three pick puts you in a hole he immediately gets out of that hole to where he's in the mix going into 2021 as a potential starter for them instead they bring in Emmanuel Sanders which is kind of classic the way you treat a day three pick, unfortunately, is like, nope, we can't trust totally. you. We got to We got to have Sanders. So they make him earn it. But over the course of the entire season, he had a great year. I, I think, you know, the playoff game is what sticks in everyone's mind, obviously, because he went absolutely yeah. nuts. But in a, in his sophomore year, he had 2.03 yards per route run. That includes the playoff game. It also includes everything that came before it. Again, like I kind of view that that two mark is is really significant guys that we've seen hit that mark uh, in both of their first two seasons is like just an absolutely elite group that includes like AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson. Like very few guys have hit that in both of their first two years. Davis isn't in that group because he didn't do it as a rookie. He was, was not great as a rookie, but to get there. Efficiency as a, wise, he was. Well, efficiency wise in terms of yards per outrun, he was at 1.33, which isn't like write it no. off. It's, it's not happening. That's like the Tyler right. Wallace, like 0.5 or whatever. But, um, yeah, but like you, you look at that and you're kind of like, maybe, and then or target basis, maybe, yeah. but yeah, you're For right. Target, yeah. Rut run, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, um, you're right. Keep going. But as a sophomore, really, really strong. So 
now you look in like uh, you look at what the Bills are, you know, signaling they're going to do in terms of their personnel, and they're signaling I think pretty strongly that he's going to be a, a locked in starter. So yes. at this point, I'm like, why are we not taking him like he's you know kind of a he's in the top thirty receivers like because he he will be right he's he's going to have yeah. to fail pretty hard to right. to not get to That's that right. level and and the upside I mean the upside is like. Stefan Diggs wasn't quite as good as he was in 2020 last year. Like I think Stefan Diggs will, will bounce back. I have a lot of digs. I take him a bunch in kind of the mid to late uh, first round. Uh, so it would really hurt me if he, if he falls off even further, but you know, maybe there's kind of a Keenan Allen type of like further decline year from digs. Like we saw, like he's still fine, but he opens up enough for someone to take a bigger, bigger uh, chunk of the offense and become kind of a one, a one B type of thing with him. And maybe that's what Davis is this year. Maybe by week five, we're like, is Davis the number one in this offense? And then Diggs kind of comes roaring back the way Allen did. And, you know, but I think that's a plausible outcome for these uh, for these two guys. Davis, <laughs> Davis is good. He's got a downfield skill set that meshes perfectly with Allen and he's going to be out there a ton. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, you know, you would think three wide receiver sets is Crowder in the slot, Diggs mm-hmm. and Davis. And, you know, there's a lot of those out there saying, well, Crowder is going to get more, uh, you know, looks than Davis. I, I don't think that no. makes any sense to me. Um, you know, people just sort of penciling in Crowder for all of um, Cole Beasley's targets. It's like, I don't see that either. I mean, I just think that you we see a growing player in uh, Davis and a fading player in Crowder. Now, I think Crowder's a fine little slot player. I think he's going to do a good job there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you talk about who's going to get the most. I mean, look. Josh Allen targets wide receivers more than any uh, quarterback in the NFL in his in in the, in the last two seasons. So, uh, Gabe Davis is a wide receiver on that team with very little target competition. I think I think I think I'm with you. You know, I, the best ball ADP is like, oh my god, it's so expensive. And for me, it's kind of like I, I'm so heavily invested already. It feels like I'm just a, you know to push the button just feels like I'm just doubling down. <laughs> but like. I, I, I'll tell you this. I'm I'm in whatever I'm in, uh, you know, 15 or 20 dynasty leagues. I, I don't know what it is. You know, whatever. Um, somewhere in there. If you know how I many dynasty three... leagues you're in, do you even play dynasty? It, thank you so much. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, unknown number of dynasty leagues. Don't tell my wife. Um, but, 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 so, you know, I try to keep it somewhat manageable. I mean, I remember when I was in one, it was like, this is the greatest. Dude, when I was in one, I knew my entire roster. It's a dynasty. Yeah, it was like 30 yeah, yeah. players. I knew every player on my in my memory i didn't need to like look i knew i know every fucking play that was so cool i missed that actually because then it was like i don't know to me it was like managing an nfl team like you yeah you if you're the gm of an nfl team you know all 53 plus 30 you know 80 players exactly where they're at you know the depth chart in your head you don't need to fucking look it up right it's not like oh who is our uh second string tackle like that's not how right right uh, you know (laughs) it's this guy and you're fired yeah yeah (laughs) right exactly so you know so that's how it was with my first dynasty league now of course it's like i gotta like kind of check i pretty much know all fucking 15 but it's like oh yeah that's right i don't have him there but anyway of all those teams i have three players over 50 percent roster and my number one rostered player in all my dynasty leagues is gabriel davis love it so yeah, so I'm like ready for the. I'm ready for this. Like this is the. By the way, the other two, Julius Chestnut and Alberto. So 
it's like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, ha- I, I have a type. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Julius Chestnut is, I've got a little bit of him. He was breaking all the, my running back stuff. Like all the, all the running back research I was doing, I was like, I think I just need to remove Julius yeah. Chestnut from the spreadsheet. So he stops so <laughs> yes. I can make a model. Cause otherwise, otherwise yes. Julius Chestnut's the, the one-on-one. <laughs> yes exactly and it's because it's sacred heart and all the rest of it but you're right if you just put in his information you're like wait this is saquon barkley i was kind of joking obviously i don't yeah, think he's yeah. you know saquon barkley i don't actually think that um but i do see that the upside again again it's all upside there's a there's a better chance that he literally never plays a down in the nfl that's a very very good chance with julius chestnut for sure but there is a chance because of his profile that if he plays, that he's fucking kind of dope. Like, oh yeah. shit! Remember when Julius Chestnut went undrafted? Like, th- that's the upside. He's not just another fill-in guy. He could also be that. But like, you know, his his ceiling, his asymmetrical upside is there. So why would you not roster him when he's free? So just go into your league, pick him up off waivers, and stash him because. If he's nobody, you just drop his ass. Like you don't have to worry about it. It's zero investment. So that's, that's why I love Julius Chestnut so much. Like literally after rookie drafts, literally five round rookie drafts, I'd have all these players and be like, Oh, Julius Chestnut's still available. Zero fab, put him on the roster and just sit him there. Like what? That's why he's so heavily owned. Another guy for me is uh, Tristan Ebner. Who's the bears sixth Mm. round pick completely off the dynasty radar. And he was drafted. He's a decent, I think he's like 202 pounds, something like that. And uh, really strong pass catching numbers, kind of a, mm. like an explosion rotational back in college. And uh, I mean, he could pretty easily work into, you know, kind of a, a Tariq Cohen type of role there, I think. So uh, I'm not a big David Montgomery guy. I like Khalil Herbert. Give me another way to bet yeah. against David Montgomery. I'll take it. You know? So I've been drafting a lot of trust yeah, ever. And very similar to um, Chestnut, where you're like, there's no one left to draft. Oh, wait, Ebner's still here because no one's drafting. Click. Him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's free. He's still available in your league right now, folks. So just he go is. pick him up. He's on waivers. You yeah, should, right. you, should, you should pick him we, up. Pick up him and Chestnut. They're both, they're both great staffers. We know that we are doing a dynasty podcast when we are, you know, well into this thing and we're debating <laughs> the likes of Julius Chestnut <laughs> and Tristan Ebner. That's how you know. I, I will say on the uh, – the Jamison Crowder stuff um, completely agree with your skepticism about him. I've taken some of them, but uh, you know, you're looking at these mini camp practice reports and stuff. I don't know that they're allowed to always say who's with the first team versus the second team, but you're seeing things like, you know, Jamison Crowder looked really good today, catching passes from case Keenum or like Isaiah McKenzie caught this great ball from Josh Allen. So you know, Isaiah McKenzie at least spending some time with the ones. They've told us they think it'll be a split. Uh, I think it'll be a split. Like, I don't yeah. understand why Isaiah McKenzie goes where he goes. He, I mean, round 17 and 18 in these best ball drafts. Uh, he feels like maybe a total smash. Like, I, I'm drafting too much Julio Jones and stuff. Yeah, but I, maybe. One way to, to, to get not. me off of that yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that I'm like, oh, the Bills starting slot receiver might still be available. So, uh, it's not that it's possible, not that, you know, I think he should be going ahead of Crowder, but that gap seems a little weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think 
it would it would stand a reason. Isaiah McKenzie looked really good in the games he played. Like if you're the Buffalo coaching staff, you're like, no, no, yeah, M- McKenzie's fucking good. Like Crowder, you're gonna have to be good to to to, to right, play. Right. You're like you're not gonna just oh yeah, fuck Mcackenzie's. You know, it's gonna be a meritocracy in the slot. I think you know, Hopefully, and so yeah. you know what I mean. Like maybe who's healthy, who's hot. Like also, they're slightly different types of players. They're not exactly the same exact type of slot player. Um, you know. Crowder a little bit more nuanced. McKenzie's very, very quick, you know, more explosive, a little less sort of quote unquote reliable, more sort of explosive in that slot. So, you know, faster, more of a big play player. So I would think there's going to be certain situations where one of them plays over the other, even if they're both healthy and ready to go. Um, And Khalil Shakir sort of seems like the Gabriel Davis, Steph Diggs backup insurance guy. And, um, yeah, you know, so I think, yeah, doesn't that feel like the way they're going into the season? I think last year I was so like, man, the, the, the Emmanuel Sanders thing, everybody, Emmanuel Sanders just shoved it all the way down my neck, you know, last year, because (laughs) I was like, there's no way he's playing over Gabe Davis and he fucking played over Gabe Davis. And that really sucked because I thought Gabe Davis had a chance to like, you know, what do you have? Like 600 yards his first year. I thought he could get to 800 last year, you know, kind of be a, and he got to 600 again, 599, whatever. And, you know, he just sort of boxed him out enough to to sort of not make him anything. I mean, Gabe Davis was nothing last year in terms of like fantasy, you know. So this year, I think that I think he's actually free to fire. I think we're going to see 75 to 80 percent uh, snap share for Gabe Davis, you know, and then a, a, a split at the slot with McKinsey and Crowder. I'm totally with you. McKinsey, nice smash late. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I I think uh Sanders kind of ruined it for everyone. I mean yeah. it wasn't just fantasy oh. players. It's like the offense wasn't quite uh where we thought it would be in terms of yeah. efficiency. They were still quite True. productive, but um yeah, I think they'll be better this year. It's addition by subtract subtraction by getting rid of Sanders at this point. Yeah. Let's fucking go. I'm so into it. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned Dawson Knox. Is there a chance while we're here, we just finish off this last question, another one of my sleepers. OJ Howard, is it? Is there a chance he actually is something, or should we just pour it all the way out? I think we got to pour it all the way out. Uh, I kind of think so. He was struggling to get in and out of breaks. Was the reports from uh, minicamp where he just? Good. I think I think with the Achilles stuff with him, like I said, sometimes it just. I think it really is a major injury for some guys. Um, uh, he, he may be a little heavy too. He's heavy. Yeah, he never was. Uh, I, he was pretty interesting as a. As a receiver as a early in his career, yeah. yeah. But um, at this point, I think he's probably there to help them run some two tight end sets. I mean, this yep. is yep. This is going to seem agree. mean. I don't mean it to be mean, but I think he's kind of like a Foster Moreau. No, it's not touchdown. Mean. I, think, snipe I think if he was Foster Moreau, he'd be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I think no, that's I probably mean, what he is. Because I mean, obviously, his pedigree coming out was way better than the Foster Moreau pedigree. But Foster Moreau is fucking good. Like he's actually pretty yeah. good. He's like, good. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's a good so, blocker. I don't think yeah. you can use him in the red zone. Yeah. So yeah. there it is. We've we've hit all my sleepers, all my truthers, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Corain, you were awesome, man. That was a great show. Seriously, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you're you're Thanks, great, man. man. It was a lot of fun having having you on. Uh, great attitude, lots of fun, man. Totally uh, see why everybody loves you. You're so on it. Super smart. This is where I kiss your ass. It's all fun. Tell everybody where they can find you, though, because I'm sure after after listening, if they don't already listen and know where you're at, they're going to tune in now. So tell everybody where they can find you, my friend. 
No, I appreciate it. Uh, I am at uh, Ship Chasing. You can check out yeah. Ship Chasing Wednesdays at 9.15. We are getting into the heart of uh, That's ship. redraft S-H-I-P. season. S-H-I-P, yeah. guys. Come on ship. now. You guys ship. are going to get the wrong idea if you don't uh, <laughs> Google that correctly. All right? Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a behind-the-scenes uh, premium channel you got to get into. Yes, um, <laughs> that is behind a paywall, the shit chasing, it's, yes. That's behind a paywall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Contact me for, uh, for pricing yeah. on that. Um, yeah, so we are primarily, although we, we go year-round, but we are primarily a, a main event redraft, old school. This feels like you know nice. the, the format, it might as well be from the 1800s at this point. What you do <laughs> no, is you, you draft players. You only have them for one year. And uh, you have to decide every week who you play. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So we're getting into that season. We've registered for our first main event. Uh, we got a slow draft going at the end of the month. And then we're going to be doing high stakes uh, live drafts all through uh, mid-August when they open up, when the FFPC opens up their main events. And we'll be doing that all the way through doing live drafts in Vegas. So that's kind of the height of the Ship Chasing podcast. Um, that's with me, uh, Ben Gretchen, Peter Overset, And then, uh, I'm going to have some articles coming out on NBC sports edge throughout the, the heart of draft season and a good football show over there. I mentioned the interview uh, several times yep. with, uh, with Buck rising that we did, uh, for the Titans. We're going to be doing more stuff like that. Where we're talking to beat, uh, beat reporters, uh, doing division previews for each of those. So I love you, that. If you're into that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Because, uh, yeah, we've thought about doing stuff like that on the undroppables network. That's great stuff. Getting the, getting the beat riders. Cause you really, I mean, you dropped some of that with the Tennessee stuff, which was why I went that way. Um, knew you'd probably have some pretty good insight there. So I love that. So yeah, a good football show is actually a great football show. I really like it. I do tune into that. So great job with that show and a great job with this show. So thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you. On behalf of everybody here at the undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, and of course, on behalf of the greatest producer to walk the earth, Michael P. Duncan. On behalf of the great Pat Corain, I am Jax Falcone, and we are 